my thumb. Dude. It's all good. How have you, how have you managed this week? It's been it's looked really rough. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I've got this thing against like none of my pants have got zips. Right. So uh I've stopped undoing the buttons and 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 you can't it's amazing how much you use your thumbs. Yeah. So like doing my pants up, like clicking the little button on top of the kettle to open the lid, uh, <laughs> opening the milk, just little, tiny things. It's been all right. Could be worse. Well, it looked pretty. It looked pretty severe, to be honest. For you know, for for falling over. This will. Sean has been running with scissors this week. Yeah. <laughs> well. Um, so to fill everyone in, we might as well leave this in. I fell over onto a jar of coffee. The jar of coffee smashed, and I lost half my thumb. Um, yeah, they had me in a plastic surgery queue. Can I tell mm. you this? Yeah. Okay. You, and then they, well, you said, that you, you said that you were um, one evening you were waiting. You were still waiting at like half right. or something like that with yeah. the GP. So um, they decided. We emailed, me and the doctor emailed some photos over to the specialist guy, and he went, man, it looks bad, but I've seen worse. Um, he said it's pointless <laughs> pointless causing another wound, as in a skin graft, to try and fix a wound that's notoriously difficult to heal on, on your thumb. He said, so just roll with it, basically. Right. So... So my question would be, then that depends on where you were getting the other skin from. If it was coming from you, yes. But if you had a donor, well, then... <laughs> I was all up for cadaver. <laughs> I I said to the doctor, wouldn't it be funny if they took it from just here on my face, and then I could continually grow my beard on my thumb? <laughs> Your thumb. <laughs> I wonder if that would work. It probably doesn't work like that, does it? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Leave you with a big hole in your in the side of your face, like the like the mummy. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a bit of a grind, but um, could be worse. Yeah. So I'm assuming then that you lost all of the coffee as well. Oh, it smashed and it blew down the street, fell on the hopper of milk. That exploded. <laughs> and I can't remember if I told you this. I had, um, I'd also bought a Snickers bar and it was shoved in my pocket and I'd forgotten all about it. So after I'd been to A&E and they patched me up and I was waiting for a lift home from my neighbour, I'm just standing around outside in the cold. I went... I got Snickers in my pocket, and it was really flat. But never has a Snickers been enjoyed more. <laughs> I was saying, say anything that that doesn't contain sort of like you know slivers of glass is yeah. you know. <laughs> Actually, my my very first reaction was, "Oh my god, that's quite deep. I want a cigarette." That's exactly where my head went. Isn't that weird? Right. Do you still do that? Um, occasionally. Like in, in times of crisis. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's been well, it's been twenty five years, I guess, now for me that I, that I stopped. You calling yet... me a bad influence? No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, but 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 every time I see somebody you know on the TV having a having a smoke and and and, and when it looks really satisfying, that's kind of like when you go, oh man, I wish I I just wish I had a pack of Marlboros in the in the cupboard right now, you know. <laughs> just that's the problem, isn't it? They wouldn't stay in the cupboard. No. Well, like we like we always used to say, you know, you, if you don't smoke them quickly, they go off. Yep. <laughs> 24-hour lifespan on those packets. That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You good this week? No disasters? Yeah. No, not nothing nothing, nothing too severe. We're, the horses are okay. The dog's okay. We have, uh, like I said, we've, we've done a, um, a home a home check for uh, the possibility of uh, fostering another Labradoodle. Well, it wasn't yeah. just typically a Labradoodle. It was uh, it was fostering a, a, another dog. We we originally on the this this place I can't remember what it's called Archangels I think it is, and uh, they deal with fostering dogs out um, around the the North Wales and Chester area. And this one um, this one came up a couple of weeks ago, and we thought that nobody was going to apply for him because he had three legs and one eye. And his um, name was Gavin. <laughs> no, this was a different one. All oh, right, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but but he went he went quite quickly, and then there was another couple came up, and Kate said, you know, I'm just going to put our names forward and see what happens, and and then this uh, this this Labradoodle called Gavin. <laughs> Terrible name for a dog. Oh, I mean, this is it's proper, it's proper um, Family Guy, isn't it? You know where um, where he's got the uh, Mayor West is shooting the shooting the cats from his <laughs> from his bow and arrow. He's got that thing, and he's, he collects them. And one's called Paul, and he's like, who calls a cat Paul? <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, it's very similar. Uh, I mean, we, we've got loads of dogs around here. With there's a Dave, um, <laughs> there's a Katie. I mean, who call? I mean, they call things like Catherine and Brian. And well, actually, Brian's okay because it might be a Family Guy gag. But yeah. Brian, it's just oh, Brian. strange. <laughs> you don't get dogs called Prince anymore, do you? Or Rex, or Rex, or Shep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, I can understand that you wanted to look for something a little bit different from everybody else, but surely Gavin isn't it? That's just about the worst ever. You'd have to change his name if you got him. <laughs> well, I've said to Kate that I, you know I'm going to slowly kind of like adapt it. So first of all, I thought I'd call him Glavin, like um, from the. Uh, <laughs> Professor Frink from from The Simpsons. <laughs> Glavin. Dear me. Or Vinny, you know. Vinny, <laughs> that's a good one. We'll we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, it's no guarantee that we get him anyway. Like, but you know, you know, he may, he may be not be happy. 
Bill will be cross. Yeah, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will for a little while, but you know. But then he might be a good buddy, I suppose. Yeah, he might be a good buddy. Yeah, and uh, besides, it's a bit of getting getting our own back for him, <laughs> making me at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> this this morning or walking around the fields because <laughs> because he just felt like it. <laughs> Heard a noise in the distance. Yeah, <laughs> in the trees. <laughs> It's coming, but it may not be here anytime soon. Oh, it could have been a squirrel. Not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Bill. Yeah, love him. But, you know, I say it's all about looking after. It's looking after things that can't look after themselves, isn't it? Yeah, and they, <laughs> and they chose you. <laughs> well, not yet, they didn't. <laughs> We shall see. <laughs> so, what have we got this week? This week we're doing a a weird thing, aren't we? Yeah, I've interpreted it, uh, and it was, I believe, it was my idea. So, I may have interpreted my own idea wrong. <laughs> but in that, we we were going to do a, a sort of a swift top ten. Uh, maybe not top 10, maybe just some people who were better replacements than the person that got thrown out of the band in the first place. Yeah. Now, I've been quite sort of flexible with that interpretation. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, because I think a lot in a lot of cases, you know, things... They may not have been better. They may have been just as good as. Yeah, but, or different. Yeah, but potentially ended up being more successful purely by the time scale that they've been involved in the band with. Yeah, hang on a minute, because I've forgotten to. I've forgotten to look something up here, which is <laughs> integral. Um. Right here we go. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Accept cookies. Yeah, just give me the bloody information. Right, you can go first. Donate to Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. You go first. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in. I'll throw in an obvious one then, and we'll start and with this. And I bet we have loads of similar things. I'm sure we will have. I'll throw in ACDC then. Obviously, Bon Scott, phenomenal start to a to a rock and roll career, um, and, a, and, a, and, a, and an exceptional band. And then he only lasted six years with the man. So seventy four was the the time that ACDC started, and he died in nineteen eighty. So he was only in the band for six years before he was re replaced by. Brian Johnson, who's obviously still going today. So, 1980 to 2022, currently, Brian Johnson is still the main man. That's uh, uh, 90 years. Uh, <laughs> for, 42 years. 42 years. And wow. yet, Bon, and yet Bon Scott still has a a legacy on on six years. How long was um? 
other bloke singer of ACDC for? Dave. I didn't even I didn't even bother with him because I three weeks it was like about a year or something like that. Yeah, uh, but he wasn't one though because because funnily enough because we you and I had that conversation we did we, the other day about bass players and said oh whoever <laughs> whoever whoever cares about a bass player if a bass player comes and goes or whatever. You know, it's all about singers or guitarists, isn't it? Nobody cares about the other guys, like. But funnily enough, the original bass player for ACDC, Mark Evans, was 75 to 77. So he came in a year after they started and only lasted two years and then was replaced by Cliff Williams, who is still the bass player now. Wow. And he's a solid guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they've had drummers come and go as well. You know, Phil Rudd was... Has, has been the the drummer for the most part, but they you know they've had um, Chris Slade and Simon Wright, you know, play for them as well. While <clears throat> Phil Rudd was either in jail or <laughs> yeah, or, or well, rehab or something like that. <laughs> Dave Evans was in the band for a year. Are they related? I don't know. D- didn't even bother checking. To someone be honest, else, someone else can go and look that up. Yeah. I've I've never seen ACDC live. Really? Not at a festival, not ever. No. Remiss. Obviously, I was um, unfortunately too young to see Bon Scott, but I, I've seen copious amounts of footage of him. Um, I think I sent you a link, didn't I, to to mm. to show where they were doing where Angus Young kind of like jumped up on this balcony and was walking along the the parapet of this balcony playing the guitar, like, you know, with head banging and everything. And I was, you'd never be allowed to do that in this day and age. You know, it's just absolute nope. health safety madness. You know, <laughs> it's, um, it's weird. Cause what is your ACDC? Do you prefer Scott? Yeah. I prefer Bon Scott, even though, even though I think, Kind of like, I mean, the first the first stuff I heard was Bon Scott, which was the um, um, the the live album. Um, oh, can't remember the the name escapes me now. The the live album, and then obviously the um, Highway to Hell album. But obviously, literally, I mean, it was like six months between him dying and Back in Black coming out, and it was just like you know. And then all of a sudden you were hit with that and it was like different singer. Oh, okay. Didn't really kind of register that, you know, all that, all that had, had happened within the space of, you know, sort of like six to eight months. It was a big deal in school. We, we must've just started school really. Yeah. Um, it was a very big deal, but I mean, the album was of, of the back in black was of the magnitude of, um, the Black Album, yeah, it was just and Slippery When Wet. It was just huge. It was, yeah. But for my money, I prefer. I mean, if you said if 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 a record company came to me and said, "We want you to put together a the greatest hits of ACDC," all my stuff would be Bon Scott stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then after Back in Black, it all sort of 
faded to meh. Um, what's the album that comes after it? Uh, for those about to, rock. about to rock, that's got a couple of good songs on it, maybe maybe four. And yeah. after that, it just gets decreasingly more. Yeah, what do they call it? The law of diminishing returns. Yeah. The, yeah. I don't know what it was really. Yeah, and 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 the same with me. I think you know. There's some there's some decent songs, a couple of decent songs on every album, but nothing sort of like nothing that stands out as much as the first, you know, as Back in Black or or for those about to rock, to be honest, you know. Yeah. But those were that were done with Mutt Lang as well, so you know, so that should uh, that should tell you everything you need to know. It does really. You, I mean, it says that that will segue nicely into my next thing. And I'm not cutting you short because we can cross no, these no. over. But um, I can't remember his name. Pete Willis was Pete an alba was an albatross around Def Leppard's neck, and um, Steve Clark, uh, not yeah. Steve Clark, the other guy, Phil Collin, Phil Collin, um, girl, just a brilliant replacement. Yeah, song, song craft wise performance. Um, Phil Collins just a, a tiny genius, I think. Yeah, uh, that was a super super replacement. But again, Mutt Lang had his sticky fingers all over it. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. you gotta wonder. Yeah, that, there's. Uh, I mean, there's some. Maybe it could have been anyone. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is another show, another show which is, um, which is, you know, producers, engineers, kind of, <laughs> kind of thing because you can put, you know, Mutt Lang and Bob Rock and Ted Templeman. Ted Templeman's and, probably a big, big one, isn't he? Yeah, um, Bruce Fairbairn, another one. You know, so maybe, so maybe we'll save that for another show. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, Phil Collin really. Um, I think he was what Def Leppard needed at the time. Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. In, in in a hundred different ways. Um, and, and I'm, I mean, he I was don't just know. driven. Yeah, and he doesn't look any different now, does he? You know, oh, there's, of... some, there's some videos. You should. I don't know if I sent you the links of him. He's made a gym in his garage. Yeah. Wow. I've seen, I've seen, he's in he's in incredible shape, and he's just and he's just such a you know he, he's 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 such at ease with his with his you know with his guitar as well, isn't it? Just sort of like it's all it all flows so so easily for him, you know. Just, Phil Collin is no, I don't want Phil Collins sixty four. And he looks amazing. He really does. Not, I mean, he have you ever seen him play with his shirt on? <laughs> I'd go to the shops with my shirt off if I looked like that. Absolutely, <laughs> Absolutely you would, wouldn't you? You know, look at me. <laughs> You know, but he's got a he's got a belting voice as well, hasn't he? You know, I yeah. mean, he's done he's done some of the stuff on the um, 
on the uh, was it the oh yeah the, the the covers album that they did and stuff you know and he has he's he he's got an amazing voice as well so you know and I think dude, yeah. if he if he hadn't been there to carry a big basket when Steve Clark died yeah I think that might have been the end of Leopard yeah the whole thing could have fallen apart quite easily very couldn't much. it I think he's yeah. um, integral yeah i mean was it did, did was was him was him joining Def leopard the death of girl or or girl already finished and and he well um, if you listen to my phil lewis girl episode podcasting uh-huh. <laughs> um, i think girl would just go in nowhere to be honest as far as i can gather yeah um I mean, Which is a shame, really, isn't it? Because they were, again, they were an absolutely stunning band, really. You know, I, I, and I know that, I know that Phil Lewis doesn't really rate the the, the Wasted Youth album as much as he does the first album, but he's he wrong. But I thought I loved, I loved Wasted Youth. I thought it was a brilliant album. You know, maybe there's, there's maybe seemed... a bit more mainstream than than the other one, but there there seemed to be a. And I th- I can't remember if I put this to him or not, but what year is this? This is 80. No, this is even late. I can't remember what girl's lifespan is. What is it? 79, 80, something like that. Yeah. yeah. 80, 81, Wasted Youth, I think. Yeah. It? I, I think there's back then there was an expectation that you put your band together and, and you gigged because there was, there were pubs, clubs, you could go anywhere, especially if you were based in London, which they were. Mm-hmm. And you got gigs and you got a deal and you got somewhere. And I don't think they were going anywhere very quickly. And I think they all got really pissed off with it. Like, you, mm-hmm. mean, you and me have been in a band together. You know what it's like. It, when yeah. Just people just wander off, don't they? And go, oh, that, that looks better than what I'm doing now or. It's tough to keep it together, but the, but 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 back then though there was there was so many places to play, wasn't there? They, you know, and 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 those those kind of like places that were, um, I mean, places like the Roundhouse and stuff like that, which were massive venues on a small scale, if you like, weren't they? You know, for, but they were massive venues for the bands at the time. There, really, you know. Yeah. Um, like you know, like the, the the Hammersmith Palais and stuff like that. You know, um, all of those kind of venues. They all just sort of like slowly dried up over the, you know, towards the end of the eighties and through the nineties. And then it got harder and harder to find places that were that would put on live music mm. because it, because <clears throat> people would get more money from having a, a mobile disco or a karaoke night than you yeah. know than a live band, and they wouldn't have to pay out, you know. Two, three hundred, four hundred quid for a band, and I guess there's always there's always the politics, isn't there? Of like, I know they got dismissed from the Kiss tour, but as a support band, you still have to put somebody still has to put the money up, yeah, for you to go on the support tour. So if you get dismissed off a big tour, what are the odds on you your management company? doing it again second time around and like is that your shot or is was there someone else around i mean there were so many bands around that back then yeah 
Yeah. It, I don't know. But um I have I have a fun, funnily enough, I have a little link there, actually. Um he said, if he can remember where he put it. Or maybe maybe he didn't put it at all. Anyway. Um <laughs> maybe it was all in maybe it was all in my mind. Um clearly it was. I thought I thought I'd written it down somewhere, but I will might I'll maybe find it later that little link that <laughs> that I should have written down somewhere. Um but yeah, there was um um like you said, there was there, there was the opportunity to play with big bands and kind of like and the, and there was also big bands playing with big bands, wasn't there? You know? Hmm. Um and, and yet like um somebody like Kiss would take out maybe two kind of like medium sized bands as yeah. as their you know as their backup and uh, you know and we um, and for the most part at that sort of time we were probably more interested in going to see the support bands than we were <laughs> seeing the, the headline. It was the only way you could see them, wasn't it? Yeah, because you think, well, yeah, I can see, you know, I can see Black Sabbath, I can see this, that and the other, I can see Kiss, I can see them every every year they come round and everything, but the chances of me seeing, you know, um, at the time, Faster Pussycat or Cinderella or Dokken or yep. you know, any one of those kind of, you know, Shy. <laughs> well, thanks for taking it seriously. That's okay. <laughs> I was going to say Helix, actually. I used to really love Helix. Helix. Yeah. So getting them on the Kiss tour was fantastic. Yeah, great band. Yeah, I missed that tour. I've got to be. I've got to be honest. I, that was. Um, I think we we discussed that in a previous episode, didn't we? That was on the Lick It Up. That's tour. the Lick It Up tour. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so there you go. Well, we're doing all right. We're doing. We've got Bon Scott, Brian Johnson, Pete Wills, Pete Willis, yeah, Bill Collin, yeah. Pete Willis never did anything ever again, did he? Um, well, I don't think nothing. nothing Surprised he never joined the band with that guy that got chucked out of Iron Maiden. Oh, um, Paul Diano. Yeah. Oh, nice link. I shall just turn the page and go. Iron Maiden. <laughs> well, hang on. Just before you drift off, he's in a he was in a band called Gog Magog in '85. Right. Hang on this Wikipedia page on the Pete Willis thing. It's got him down as being on Pyromania. I didn't think he was. I, I, didn't he? Maybe there's a crossover. Yeah, I do. I think I think he wrote some of the songs, and I didn't know that he actually played on it. I think he wrote he wrote some material for the songs before they before they recorded it. But uh, yeah, that may be true. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Look, um, additional musicians. No, too boring to do live on air. I'll have a look later. <laughs> Yeah, dear. Okay, hang okay. on. The album was partially recorded with Pete Willis, whose rhythm guitar tracks appear on all songs. All right, okay. Towards the end of the recording, he was fired for alcohol abuse and replaced by Phil Collin, who contributed solos in the guitar parts not yet recorded by Willis. 
I thought Phil was all in by then. Okay. There's a certain there's a certain irony to to him being um, fired from the band for alcohol abuse when you know five years later or whatever the you know the main man (laughs) dies from alcohol abuse. You know, Um, unfortunately. Yeah, shame. Steve was something else. He was, yeah, definitely, definitely. Anyway, so while we were while we while we while we leapt to that um, to that conclusion of him joining Paul Diano's band, then I'll throw in Iron Maiden, which was um, formed nineteen seventy five. Very wow, various members. Um, up to 1978, when Paul Diano became the the, the lead singer, um, and to be, I mean, it, it was the music was. Uh, you could see where the music was going, but Paul Diano kind of like he had this kind of like punky edge to him, didn't he? Rather than Bruce Dickinson's kind of like you know big kind of like anthemic rock voice sort of thing. Paul Diano was much more punky, so it gave it much. It was much more raw. The the, the first two albums and the um, God, what was it called? Made in Japan. The, the 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 live EP thing, which just which I think pretty much broke them. Really, I uh, know nothing about Maiden. I can't. They're just not for me. But no. I think Bruce Bruce brought an imagination to the band that they were never going to get in a million years with Diano. Yeah. All that stuff. I watched their um actually I watched it out of curiosity. I watched the uh the, the Kiss set at Donington at Monsters of Rock. No, it's not called that, mm. is it? Download. Mm. Just out of interest, I thought, well, let's see what Iron Maiden have done with their stage set. Wow, it like blew Kiss away. It's like holy cow, and they'd have never have got any of that with Diano. No, that that journey was not not for him at all. I was quite no. impressed actually. And I think you say so when you think that the first album that that Bruce Dickinson played on was the Number of the Beast, and how massive that album was. You know, I mean, it was it was just absolutely huge. And he'd come from playing with Paul Sampson, hadn't he? You know, um, uh, yeah. He, he'd, been in, he'd been in Sampson, um, and he changed his name. I don't, I don't know if his name originally was Bruce Dickinson, but and when he was in Sampson, he was called Bruce Bruce. You know, so whether or not that was his name, <laughs> I would probably have punched my father in the face for that if that was the case. I need to look now. But that was um, that was back in the day with um, was it, it was Thunderstick on drums, wasn't it? Who had the gimp mask on? Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and, I mean, Samson were pretty good. To be fair, they were one of those new wave of British heavy metal bands, weren't they? But you know, Paul oh, Samson—that is his real name, Bruce Paul Paul Bruce Dickinson. Right, right. fair enough. So, so the so the odd name. I'll change my name to Bruce Bruce for the. <laughs> it's got a real rock star ring about it. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling he wasn't taking it awfully seriously. 
But I mean, there was there's been some glitches there with them as well because I mean, you know, um, Bruce left for a, for a little while, didn't he? Ninety four to ninety nine when Blaze Blaze Bailey from Wolfsbane joined, which is he just recorded, bizarre. Yeah, he recorded two albums. I know Blaze Bailey's got a good voice, but he certainly hasn't got that kind of voice. You know, he hasn't got what they call Bruce Dickinson the air raid siren. He hasn't got that. he, yeah. he certainly hasn't got that kind of you know. Um, that beef to him, has he? You know, he, the problem with the other problem with that was he also had, um, he'd built an identity as a beer drinking dickhead in Wolfsbane, yeah, for quite a few years. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Wolfsbane about four times, four or five times. Yeah, um, they did double headlining thing with the choir boys, didn't they? At some point. Yeah. So I'd have seen them about two or three times on that. Um, they were just a good time pub band. But yeah, when you've already got an identity, it's pretty pretty tough to take the place of somebody like that. Yeah. I don't think it was the best call for for Iron Maiden, you know. <laughs> or Blaze. Or Blaze, really. No, no, true enough. Like, you know. But, I mean, we've seen... We've seen some recent footage, haven't we? And it and it all does look like um, normal services resumed as, yeah. as <laughs> good time, good time pub bands again, you know. And Iron Maiden, you know, <laughs> seeking the stratosphere again. So yeah. it's, a, it's a weird one. I mean, they're just um, and we we just mentioned three massive bands there. Mm. Who all um, took care of business? Yeah, I guess that's what they really did. Well, and I, mean, and I guess management and and stuff were involved as well at some point. Otherwise, you tend to carry on with your mates, don't you? Yeah, well, yeah, and and you uh, and that's I think probably why most bands fall apart, isn't it? You know. Because you, like you said, you know, we're not doing that because we're mates. We're not doing, you know. Um, there's a there's a lot to be said for for all the stuff that we, you know, that, that Gene Simmons gets slagged off for, mm. you know, you know. But it's, you know, business first, you know. Yeah, I mean, this doesn't come into our thing, but um, when Richie Sambora left Bon Jovi. I've quite a bit of respect for him for not even trying to replace them. They just got some some decent guitarist in who who was it? Phil X. Phil X, who would just do what he was told. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. And, and you and then you were either there for John John or or not. Um, but I think if they tried to replace him and have that sort of same, oh, it's us two. I don't think that would have worked there. Yeah. I'm kind of glad they didn't try, even though you could have tried writing some songs after Richie had left. That would have, <laughs> that would have helped Bon Jovi a lot. Because we were saying the other day, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> the last good album they made was um, Keep the Faith. Keep the Faith, yeah. And that that is... Um, over 30 years ago. Yeah. It's a long time to be average. 
Yeah, now I remember um, you, we were we were talking the other day, weren't we, about the demise of record stores and um, and uh, as things were slowly closing down, how you could, if you were in the right place at the right time, you could clean out some of the bins from some of these record stores. And I was actually in Newbury, down staying down with my dad when um, the 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 MVC in Newbury closed down, and they had. I, I'm. I must have. I must have taken a hundred pounds worth of CDs out of there. But it was a hundred pounds at where they were all like a pound each, and one of those was the collection that was. Um, was it called One Million Bon Jovi Fans Can't Be Wrong or something like that? Where it was like a five CD box set thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and. It was all kind of like outtakes from various albums and live tracks and this, that and the other and all sort of stuff and B-sides, you know. Um, and I think probably out of the five CDs, there was maybe maybe half a CD's worth that were that were any good and they were probably all, already things that you'd already heard, like um, Edge of a Broken Heart and you know, stuff like that. And, and and again, it was just sort of like so disappointing because I remember reading all these things about, you know, about these, um, these tracks that you would, you'd never get to find out because they were, they were demo only versions. And you, you know, and back in the day, the record companies were really protective of the bigger bands, weren't they? From, yeah. you know, from you know, so you, you, they were really hard to get hold of the demo versions that were involved in any of the bigger albums, um, and I remember seeing the you know the names of these songs, and then when, when you actually get to hear them, you think, well, yeah, there was a reason why that didn't make the album. Yeah. <laughs> I, found, I found out something the other day, which was when Cinderella. Sorry, talking about Cinderella, which we went, but sort of did. It was always well known that John Bon Jovi had helped them get their record deal. But I was listening to a an interview with Tom, and he said, not really. Gene Simmons was integ- most integral in getting them their deal. Really? Yeah. Good good little story. So I'll, I'll try and find it and send it over to you. So he's been, I mean, Gene's been involved in in a lot of bands, hasn't he? Where I mean, you know, I mean, apart from, I mean, even even if you cry back to um, Van Halen, how he was sort of like integral to to them getting their record deal, even though he kind of like wanted to sign them and record them himself, and in the end, kind of like pushed them on to somebody else, didn't he? To to do, I think from from what I can gather. I, th- I think Paul Stanley vetoed it, didn't he? Yeah. From being um, too too time consuming and uh, better than them, <laughs> and, and possibly a threat. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I guess what we're talking seventy seven, seventy eight. You could probably see the wheels coming off your bus a little bit. Yeah. Um. Anyway, back on top. Yeah. They're going to record one of the one of the most astonishing debut albums of all time, and we're going to record Dynasty. <laughs> I still prefer Dynasty to 
Van Halen's first album. Yeah, the problem with Van <laughs> the problem with Van Halen is they were a, a a party bar band with lots of cover versions, and it was super disjointed. Yeah, all no, their albums were all over the place. Yeah, I. I'll link to them. In, I'll link. Do you want me to link to them now? <laughs> Go on then. Because I'm going to disagree with you, though. Because well, maybe you won't. I don't know. Because because I've got Van Halen down in this list as well. So obviously, so we've 1972. Van Halen started. Wow. 1972. So they have so, five years of of rehearsing live before. Yeah. Uh, well, when you say rehearsing life, I mean if you read well, they, the they were playing, weren't they? Yeah, if you read the the absolutely phenomenal, I think both of us agree that it's probably the best um, rock and roll biography of all yep. time. It's crazy from the heat by Dave Lee absolutely. Roth. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant book. Um, yeah, they were. It was all kind of like um, yard parties and stuff, wasn't it? Where people were kind of like you know. You just sort of like hire a band in, and and you'd go and play in a in somebody's backyard, and then the whole neighbourhood would. <laughs> good way of getting good, though. Yeah, what a fantastic way to cut your teeth! Really, really, you know, just just phenomenal. But yeah, so so seventy two, and then he left. Dave left in eighty five, um, and was replaced by. Sammy Hagar, who obviously had, had his own career and uh, um, done a couple of albums with Ronnie Montrose as well prior to that, you know. Yeah. So he was a super established kind of like, you know, solo musician and, you know, recording artist then. Um, and he he only played with them for 11 years. Oh, really? Yeah. Seems so, yeah. But there was a like a there was like a two year um, hiatus between him leaving and Gary Sharon from Extreme joining, um, and he did the, the, <laughs> file, the dreadful file just under Blaze Bailey, yeah, Van Halen three album. But he played with them for two years, um, and then Sammy Hagar rejoined two thousand and three to two thousand and six. And then they had a falling out again. And then Diamond Dave joined back in 2006, went to 2012. And then they kind of like didn't really do anything after that, you know. Um, that was the last time they recorded anything, 2012. Um, I mean, you know, they they did the, the, the live shows and stuff. And, the, you know, I've got the I've got the CD collection thing of the, the Tokyo Dome thing that, that they did with Dave and... It's just rubbish. It's awful. <laughs> be Do you know what? I, I I I love a lot of that early Van Halen stuff. It's fantastic. And when you see them live, you know why. Mm. But I was really into Sammy Hager as a solo artist. Yeah. Um that live loud and is it live loud and clear? Is that what the album's called? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a fantastic record. Um, and I, I figured out eventually that the thing I really didn't like about Van Halen was Eddie Van Halen. All right. 
I get that he was a guitar hero, blah, blah, blah. But not for me. No. No, not for me. I thought he was... All I've, you, well, I've never liked that. Wid, widly, widly. No. It, it, it just does nothing for me. I can't interpret it in any way. But... I kind of, but I do get it. But um, it's it's funny how Van Halen became even bigger with, with Sammy. Sammy yeah, absolutely. And I think, I I think, in all honesty, the, the 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 I mean, what we ended up with was we were kind of lucky, really. We were spoiled then, weren't we? Because Dave went off and, and became Dave and just did Dave, which was even and, better. And, yeah. And 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 it was so much better than than him being part of Van Halen. I thought, hmm. you know, and we end, but then we ended up with Van Halen with with Sammy Hagar, which was so much better than Van Halen with Dave kind of thing, really. So we ended up with two really good groups instead of just one. You know, probably right there. They wrote, yeah. they wrote some good songs together with Sammy. Yeah, I mean that first album that was it E five one five zero. You know, so it was just completely different to anything that they'd done before and and i mean there was a lot it, it was it was quite keyboard heavy because i know that um uh, eddie was quite sort of like getting into his keyboards then wasn't he started started it in 1984 doing the um, the 1984 album where where uh, the, there was a lot of um a lot of keyboard stuff in there especially jump and stuff like that um, and he carried on with that, which was okay because Sammy Hagar was a super proficient guitarist as well. So, you know, so he could carry all the stuff while Eddie was doing something different, you know, so it worked really, really well. I know I'll be yeah. shot in the street at dawn by snipers, but Sammy is a far superior guitarist to Eddie Van Halen. You think? Yeah, any day of the week. <laughs> I think it's, well, you know, I mean, he's, it's probably just a matter of choice, I suppose, isn't it? You know, nope. You, you, <laughs> nope. you can certainly, nope. you could certainly, um, you know, if, if if somebody was to play you, you know, several pieces of music, you would certainly be able to identify what was Eddie Van Halen over anything else, wouldn't you? Really, I suppose, you know. Yeah, but you uh, couldn't. You couldn't. You you could say to to Sammy, well, no one's turned up. You're gonna to have to do something by yourself. He'd go, okay. But if you went, hey Eddie, no one's turned up. He'd just play eruption and variants thereof for, yeah. How long? I'd have yeah. left. No, and I mean, sad in his passing. I get his place in history, blah blah. But nah, not for me. No, afraid not. But I've got, I've, I've got a, I've got a segue now to something, haven't I? And I can't. <laughs> we're running out of segways no um, let me see um, no I can't do it with what's on my list so I'm going to have to go for sideways step it's not that sideways another another huge band and this is a weird one because this guy is the fourth singer that the band got in and that's Steve Perry, right from Journey, who is um, probably my favouritest singer of all time. Right, 
Um, I love Journey because I'm a big pussy like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, he was. Um, Greg Rowley was first. He yeah. was okay. Um, the third one was Steve Smith, who didn't last very long. But interestingly, and um, I don't. I only sort of. I knew this, but I only sort of took it into my brain a few years back that the second singer was Robert Fleischman. Who was who the was first, the singer in Vinnie Vincent? In yeah, Vinnie. first the first album, wasn't he? Some, but that was there. like ten years late. It must be a good eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. I can't work it out. Um, it was not that long. Maybe seven, eight years later. But anyway, um, and again, it's another weird one, isn't it? Steve Perry. Uh, uh, I'm fed up with this shit. I'm leaving. And you think journey's <laughs> over? And then they go and find, uh, what's his name? So, oh. um, uh, uh, Arnel, Arnel Parnell or something like that. Arnel Pineda. Yeah, that's it. Who was working as a, as a, as a cover, uh, as a journey cover singer, wasn't he? He was like yeah. a, a journey cover band. Yeah. Very, very strange. Yeah. Um, but he's good. But but he he's he's a mimic, yeah. Um, and um, what nationality is he? He's um, he's like he's like Haitian or something like that, isn't he? I think. Was he Filipino? That's it. It might be that. Yeah. Um, but I think where, wherever he's from, they have a a quite a heritage of being mimics of of like learning to 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 mimic quite exactly um, yeah. different singers. Um, I don't know if it comes from a, a school of uh, language or learning stuff or, or what, but Dammy was good. Um, but Steve Perry was fantastic. Those albums he did. I mean, the, the first few albums are kind of, I guess the, the, the band evolved as well because they came out of oh, 1973. Yeah. But it wasn't until Perry arrived, really, in 77, 78, um, when Perry took over, that, that the band started getting really good. You you must like yeah. Journey. You must do. I know you Love do. Journey. Love Journey. Yeah. Those four albums, um, which is um, Escape, Frontiers, and Raised on Radio, are my... Oh, that's three, isn't it? I meant three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're my holy trinity of journey. After that, I can kind of walk. Um, and I've not, I've not listened to any of their new stuff, to be honest. No. Um, no, I think that I think again, it's one of those sort of like, um, I mean, despite the fact that, um, what is it like high school musical or whatever it is that, that dragged don't stop believing oh, yeah that was and and made it sort of like one of the most hideous karaoke songs ever it's funny you know, isn't it how a song that you can love for decades <laughs> suddenly becomes the kiss of death yeah and and it's such a shame because you know you, because there's no way that you hear any other version, any other version, and um, it's just going to suck. 
because it's just not that version. <laughs> yeah. Damn, there's some good songs on that record. Yeah. It's just, it, I mean, it's just an amazing album. Uh, that is that is just a you know proper amazing album. That was one of the ones that sort of like came out while I was in school and it was kind of like, you know, wow. Just, you know, what a voice, what songs. Um, just amazing. Amazing what? guitarist. Well, Neil Sean, you know. There's quite a gap, isn't there, between Frontiers and Raised on Radio? Um, uh, yeah, I think, did, isn't that when, didn't, um, didn't he leave, though? And Because record... he went to do his solo album, didn't he? Oh, was, it, was it called Street Talk? Was it Street Talk? It certainly was. Yeah. It's not that long. Frontiers no. is 83, Raised on Radio is 86. Yeah. So Street Talk is a about 85, I think. Um, yeah, and that's about right. And we, all, and we all went out and bought that as well, because that's what you did. <laughs> because you knew it was going to be good, because it was Steve Perry, you know? Yeah, that is uh, 1984. Yeah. Yeah. What a great so, record that is, too. So 84 would have been, well, 84, I kind of like, I have to, I have to kind of like go by Kiss, yeah. Around at that sort of time, so '84 was Animalize, which means that that was the first, the year of the first Bon Jovi album as well. You know, yep. So, so bleh, Bon Jovi, bleh. How but, well? We, but we're all that. still riding with um, Pyromania is out by then. Yeah, that's still on the turntable. Yeah. Um. Good year. Good little period in in rock that was. Anyway, I love I love Steve Perry. He can do what he likes. He can leave, shut up, go away forever. Um, I think it's right that he never joins Journey again. I hate it when bands get back together. It's never the same, is it? Nope. Right. Abba like should have stayed gone and just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Left it as it was. We got divorced for a reason. <laughs> yeah. So I'll throw in something a little bit more, maybe a little bit more modern then now, shall I? Just Ooh. just for the heck of it. Um, because, it's, because now we're, we're starting to get into the realms of where we're not going to be able to link from one, from one band to another, I think. I, can't, I, I, I can. Yeah. Um, and if I may jump in in front of you. Go for it. It's a little bit of a niche thing, but Mark Slaughter replacing Robert Fleischman uh, yeah. and Vinnie Vincent was genius. I have him down on the list. Now, <laughs> you can say what you like about Vinnie, and, but when he left Kiss, Kiss were a bit on the ropes. Yeah. And Vinnie Vincent Invasion was a freaking really good record. Yeah. All systems go was even better. I think Vinny was very forward thinking. Mind you, he didn't have anything to prove, did he? No, but isn't it weird though? Because that because when 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 he recorded the first album, the Invasion album, um, Robert Fleischman was the vocalist on the on the album, but he never actually he never actually showed up in any of the videos. So what they did was because because they'd already sacked him. And got Mark Slaughter in. 
Mark Slaughter appears in all of the videos for yep. for that album. Weird, huh? And for him to have such a a close voice as well to to Fleischmann as well, it was just like you know. Because if you didn't know, you probably wouldn't have known. No. Uh, and um, what was I watching? I was. I think I was. What was it? Boys Wanna Rock. I think the other day I was watching Boys Wanna Rock the, the video. And Mark Slaughter looks incredible on it. I mean, he he he, look, he looks like he must be about eighteen as well. You know, I mean, I'm not sure how old he was when he joined, but he just looks amazing. You know, and I know I know Vinny's a bit of a well. Everyone said says lots of things about Vinny, but he knew what he was doing. But Dana Strom is no slouch. No, um, ever. It's probably one of the best rock bassists out there. Um, who's he playing with at the moment? He's still with Slaughter, isn't he? They're still out on the road, I think. Who um, does he does he play with Ace Freely as well? I think doesn't he? It's probably all the same band, isn't it? Don't Slaughter just go out with whoever will take them? Yeah, but yeah, quite quite possibly. <laughs> yeah, he's um he's a he's a journeyman, isn't he? Definitely. Um well, he's a huge producer person as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But he's just a, a massive talent. Massive talent, yeah. I can't, I kind of like keep thinking I've written stuff down here somewhere for about all of this stuff and uh, and yeah, I can't I can't find any of it. Brilliant. Of these yeah. things, he had something that actually linked there through through um, through a couple of those guys. So, but it, but it but but it's just for some reason it's just bypassed me. So, so I'll jump in with I'll jump in with Tough, who we, who, who, who you sent me a link um, about uh, with a, a brilliant interview with Stevie Rochelle. I did earlier on, you know, um, and I've gone back and looked through that guy's um, podcasts, and he's got some really good. He's got yeah. some really good interviews on there, hasn't he? Yeah. I'm working my way through it. It's called um, Straight to Video. Straight to Video, yeah. Um, so if you're into that sort of, our sort of music, he's um, he's stolen all our thunder. <laughs> but he kind of like interviews everybody like you do on the on the, the Starfish and Coffee thing as well. Like, you know, so he's... Yeah, you like, you busy? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so tough. <laughs> and what I didn't know while I was looking this up was that tough is actually a type of rock made from volcanic ash. I never knew that either. T U double F, yeah. So I wonder if they knew when they actually called themselves that or if they were just sort of like, you know. Just nah. <laughs> Probably not, probably no. not. But we, um, but we were kind of like um, we were tape trading fans uh, back in the day, weren't we? Um, the early days of Tough, when Jim Gillette was the lead singer. Um, Jim Gillette off the <laughs> heavy metal vocal school in the back school. of school. Yeah, that you could never afford. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I don't sing like Jim Gillette. Yeah, I don't think anybody sings like Jim Gillette, do they? 
Um, but he's, um, but he, he, he only. He he only did two years, so all that tape trading we did was only two years worth of of him being in the band. Can't you believe that? Before before they got um um Steve Rochelle in nineteen eighty seven. Um, but this is where the link comes in now to the Vinnie Vincent thing is that Jim Gillette, when he left, he went and joined or formed Nitro, didn't he? Um, which was kind of like a, a bit more, um, well, like like you said, it's a bit more sort of like widdly widdly guitar kind of oriented thing. Um, much. Which, <laughs> which kind of suited his, it suited his voice, I guess, as well. But Bobby Rock, Bobby Rock was in Nitro. Bloody hell. So there you go. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Stevie Rochelle joined 1987. They've had a load of players with them as well, all the way through. The last thing they recorded was 2012. But um, I've written down here, Journeyman, again, because they've had um, John Karabi and Kerry Kelly in the band in that really? time. Yeah. Um, and what a great vocalist Stevie Rochelle is. Just brilliant. He was kind of like, he was like Brett Michaels that could sing. <laughs> Well, yeah. Oh, hang on a minute. This is a bit of a shocker. Jim Gillette appears to be bald now. Ooh. Yeah, he is. Yeah? Yeah. Because he had more hair than anyone ever. <laughs> um, he, looked, he, he had that kind of like big blonde Rothschild kind of thing going on, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he looks like uh, Lita Ford. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I didn't know Bobby Rock was in that band too. Well, there you go. But I love Tough. They were really, really good. And the demos that they did when, when Stevie Rochelle joined as well were really good. And then I think they kind of like the, the record company kind of watered them down a bit because I think the demo versions of the songs that ended up on that first album were actually better than the, the ones that were on the album. It's a good but album, thing, though. Yeah, but the thing that killed them, though, really, was that all-new generation thing where they sang about all of the other bands. Yeah. And, yet, and yet they kind of like, when they recorded the next album, they did something similar again. And they kind of like became a bit of a parody of themselves. Really. What's that called? That's called Bango the Bells, is it, or something like that? I think that's got... Um, it's got a couple of uh, it's got a couple of titles, hasn't it? Um, I think it was it was named. It, it had two different names in in whichever country you were you were looking at it. Um, okay, fist first. Apparently, fist first. That's the version I've got. Fist first okay. is the version I've got. I may have made that up then. No, no, no. Um, yeah, fist first, but it was also it was also released as religious fix, right? Um, and then they did um, what comes around goes around was the first the first album that they did proper, and then they did um, they did another version. Um, what comes around goes around again, 
where it was kind of like it was all remixed sort of like versions of the same stuff with some some additional stuff and some of the stuff that they'd done with um they'd done with Jim Gillette but re-recorded like so um down on Sinner Street and um you want trouble all that sort of stuff round them up that you know so it was like the the real early stuff all the good stuff yeah interesting they were a great they were a good band they were so much better than Poison yeah yeah although it's 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 sad for me to wrong of me to lump them in really but because they're more like Warren weren't they they had a little bit more about them yeah I think so Uh, I was just trying to think what the um what the other what the other version the other thing was that they did there, there was uh, like I say there was um, tied tied to the bells that was what the the, the first the first track on them okay. first bit yeah tied to the bells not totally making up then no no but like I said they become they 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 ended up becoming a bit of a parody of themselves because of that one song which is a which was a real shame because I think that they really had something, you know, and he, you know, they were a proper band and he was a kind of like a proper sort of heartthrob kind of guy, wasn't he? He had a, and he had a really good voice, great range. Uh, and, yeah. And I think their, their guitarist, what was his name? George. He had the biggest hair I've ever seen. It was, I mean, proper. Bigger, was, bigger than Jim Gillette. Yeah. Not, not, not sort of like even back combed, it was just like a fucking mane. That thing, it was huge. <laughs> George de Saint, right? George de Saint, yeah. Just look at the pictures of him from that age, from that, from that period. His hair was just, I've never seen anything like it, you know. All <laughs> oh, right, yeah, <laughs> just huge. Good work, that man. Mm. It's no wonder we struggled. <laughs> and there was some stiff competition out there. There was, there wasn't really, there? There really was, yeah. Not only is his hair massive, it's also curly. Yeah. So it's not, like I say, it's not just sort of like back combed. Like, There's probably you know, another they... six inches in there if you straightened it. <laughs> wow. Good band. I didn't think of that one. That's a good one. Mm. That's a good one. Um, let me delete some of these. Um, done that one. Mm. Should we cover the obvious? Um, the obvious. <laughs> well, I like John Karabi a lot. You like John Karabi a lot. Yeah. And he has replaced many people in many <laughs> bands <laughs> and may have been better than the vast majority of them. But um, I'm going to throw in Karabi into the crew. I just thought it made them a, a I think Karabi joining the crew allowed Mick to do something else because Karabi's no slouch on guitar. Yeah. He's one of the best modern rock singers in that we've got. Um, he he released Nicky from well once Nicky wasn't filling in 
uh, rhythm from them having just one guitarist. He got let loose. And it freed up Tommy as well, and they just became a really great, well-rounded band who wrote proper songs that didn't make them sound like they were stuck in 1981. Yeah. And that's what Karabi brought to the crew for me. But he also replaced the original singer in The Dead Daisies. All right, okay. Um, I can't remember his name. I think he's an Australian guy. Um. So that's another win. He then replaced uh, many people. Oh, Christ, he's been in Rat. Yeah. Um, for a long time. Uh, he was in, blimey, help me out here. What other bands has he been in? Well, he was in, he was in Tough, like I said before. Then he was in, he, he, he played in Tough for a, for a little while. Um, he's, He's the jizzy pearl of guitar. Yeah, he's a pro- another another proper journeyman, isn't he? Where just wants so, to work. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's see. He's been in. Of course, he's been in uh, lots of bands. Um, who did he actually replace, though? Mm, nobody, apart from Vince, really, and the guy in the Dead Daisies. I didn't um, know he replaced. I thought that, that, that I thought the Dead Daisies was was kind of like you know something that he'd created with the the other guys like but but no that's that's interesting though no they I think he's I think he was Australian the original guy um let's have a look um blah 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 formed in 2012 um. What the bloody hell is your name, mister? Because when they, when they, when they released that first album, I think this was the, um, this was the time when classic rock magazine were kind of like um, every now and again, as opposed to, because every month you'd get like a, um, a, a CD with, sort of like numerous bands on it, you know, some up and coming, some classic rock bands, you know, yeah, all this sort of stuff. Um, but every now and again, they would they would throw in a, a full album by somebody, you know, and the Dead Daisies was was one of them. I got the, the, the first Dead Daisies album free with classic rock, you know, and you just think, why? <laughs> why? Why are you giving this album away? It's fantastic. <laughs> and Karabi, and Karabi's got such a great voice. And you just think he's one of those people where you think he's destined to never be the rock star that he should be. Yeah, I, I can't fight. I can't. I think he realizes that as well. It's either David Lowy or John Stevens, but I can't figure out which one it is. Um, the first lineup had Richard Fortas in it as well. Oh, um, Nine Inch Nails. Uh, yeah, and uh, Guns N' Roses. GNR, uh, yeah. Psychedelic Furs as well. Oh, really? I didn't know that either. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think they were just like a, a two-bit band, really, before... 
I mean, they've had so many people in the band. Malcolm Mendoza, Dizzy Reed, Brian Titchy, Daryl Jones, John Tempesta. Just a huge revolving list. Um, the band at the moment is pretty good with Glenn Hughes, actually. Yeah. Um, maybe it's it's um maybe it's kind of like one of those bands like um Joe Elliott's Down and Outs, where you kind of like you know just keep getting much, all yeah. these just sort of like superb musicians into uh, to just sort of like record and play with you know. Well, the original singer is John Stevens. He's a New Zealander. Um, who, who came out of Jesus Christ Superstar, apparently. Right. Anyway, which is which is, um, which is another little link to uh, to us watching um, the War of the Worlds. Uh, oh. <laughs> the other night on Sky Arts with it was the, weird, uh, wasn't it? The guy from Jet Black as the as one of the main characters in it. Yeah, that was just and we went, who's this dude? <laughs> do, you, do you you ever heard of the band Jet Black? I've heard of Jet Black. Okay, yeah, I haven't. I wouldn't have known him from it. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't sort of, wasn't that thing. There were just one of those, uh, a number of bands that came out sort of like you know, um, in the in the two thousands that were sort of like you know, like say one of the bands that you would get free, uh, right. and you'd get a free song with with classic rock sort of thing, you know, and uh, and you'd listen to it and go, yeah, you know. That's okay. Next. Yeah. 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 Hit me with another. Hit me with another. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little bit mental here then, because this is not really it is kind of replacing and it kinda isn't as well. So my next one is and I and I may be being a little bit sneaky and you may want to punch me in the face for this one, but I'm gonna say Chris Cornell and Audio Slave, because cheating it may be, but Audio Slave basically is um, Rage Against the Machine. Yep. But back to De La Rocca left, so they brought Chris Cornell in, and instantly improved. <laughs> well, I am, a, as you know, I'm a massive, massive Cornell fan. Yeah. The goddamn Soundgarden are hard to get on with sometimes. Um, and I thought Audio Slave were just fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's a good cheat. You can have that one. <laughs> um, yeah, there was, I say, it just, I think he came up with the name as well. Um, if I remember rightly, reading an interview with him, oh, what's his name? The guitar player, he's just mega guy, isn't he? Um, just... pa, 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 pa. I cannot remember, which is really pathetic. What is his name? Um, <coughs> Morello. <laughs> Tom. Tom Morello. Yeah. 
And and yeah, I was reading an interview with him, and he was sort of like saying about what you know what had happened, and Zach leaving the band, and it was all kind of like you know didn't know where to go, and they and they all kind of the rest of the band just kind of like said, well, fuck it, we like playing together, <laughs> fuck him, let's get a new guy in, and uh, what a guy to get in, what a guy to get in, Chris Cornell. I mean, brave, just, brave, brave move for all of them, I think. Yeah, um, but I can't really. I mean, I, I I don't know much about that transition period, so I don't know whether or not they kind of like you know they did any Rage Against the Machine songs and Chris Cornell sang them or what. I don't. I don't think so. No. 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 I, I mean, think, I think there was a refusal on both parts. I think that's a wise move because I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, it would have been like um. Velvet Revolver going out and doing a bit of GNR and a bit of um, Stone Temple Pilots. Where'd you draw the line? Yeah. Um, but no, uh, I thought Audio Slave were a fantastic band. That first yeah. album's great. But I think I think Chris was in uh, was not in a good place with the old yeah Nectar at the time. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, you you and I both said that you know, if you were to sort of like, if you were to name top five vocalists of all time, he would definitely be in that list, in that top five, most definitely. Damn, he might even replace Steve Perry. <laughs> He's just got an amazing voice, hasn't he? And I'd say, you know, that the, of all of the people in the world, if there was anyone I could sing like. It, the, the the two people would be him and Ronnie James Dio. I think they're, they're both the, they're my my favourite vocalists. The two. Wow. I think I'd go for Chris and poor, I don't know Lane maybe. Yeah. Which which sort of segues nicely, although I won't kill this one just yet. Um, but it's giving it away now. Yeah, go for but it. In fact, it's not even a. It's not even a thing. I don't think William Duval was a better vocalist than Lane Staley because he's not. But out of all the people in the world you could find to replace him, pretty fucking close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've um, I've been listening to um, the Devil Put Dinosaurs here this week. That's that's been my 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 playlist for most of this week. To be honest. I, and um, a, a, a little bit of rainier fog, you know, but 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 mostly that that second album that they did, and and he's just he's he just works so well with um, Jerry Cantrell, doesn't he? You yeah. know, again, in in the same way that Lane Staley did, they it's it's the harmonies that they do just just fantastic. I think know? that's the key to Alice in Chains not falling apart is that. Um, Cantrell had a far bigger role as, as part of the band than people probably thought. Yeah. Um, like vocally, piecing it all together. I mean, his solo albums are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he was still there, I always forget the other guy that died in Alice in Chains. What's his name? Um, I've got him listed here, Mike Starr. Mike Starr. Yeah. Um, it's a because, shame he gets overlooked. 
Well, he was. Um, this is this is another one of those things where we were saying about you know um, nobody ever remembers the bass players or nobody cares about the bass players. But again, Mike Starr, six years with Alice in Chains over the sort of like the formative years where it was sort of like you know the the the, the real important sort of like beginnings and stuff. And then, like you said, yeah, um, death by, um, well, Substances. delinquency. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and he got replaced by Mike Inez, who's been with them ever since, still who's with them now. Far superior as a bass player a, as well. Fantastic bass player. Incredible. Great band. <clears throat> I was also watching them um, the other day. Um, Jerry Cantrell was playing with Hart on, I think it was um, was some kind of like um, award ceremony thing for Hart, <clears throat> <clears throat> and uh, and um, he came on and I forget what the I forget what the song was that they were doing, but it was a um, they decided they were going to do a couple of Alice in Chains songs anyway, because obviously um, both from Seattle, Hart and, uh, and Alice in Chains. Don't, don't <coughs> Hart own, own the only recording studio in Seattle? Yeah. and they, Everybody I mean, they, seems to record there. Yeah. That, and they've been, they've been great supporters of, uh, of Alice as well, like, you know, through all that period and, and stuff. And, uh, and um, William Duval had just joined the band, but they weren't gonna. It, but um, Anne Wilson was gonna sing the songs with, but something happened anyway on the on the on the way out, and she was running a little bit late. So she said, "Go and knock yourself out." And it was his first introduction to to playing live with Alice in Chains. I've seen playing, that. great, isn't it? Playing with, playing with Alice in Chains and Hart at this at this show um, and he properly nailed it as well. Like, you know, and, and then Anne Wilson just ended up singing backing vocals, but it was just like, you know, it was fantastic. Really, really good gig. Really good gig. And um, you can find that on YouTube. Yeah, you can. Along with, um, you must have seen the dad rock band. Yeah. <laughs> If you're listening, uh, go type into YouTube, Dad Rock, Jerry Cantrell. Uh, brilliant little five, ten minute comedy sketch. Brilliant. But their yeah. albums after that didn't... Maybe they weren't maybe they were classic Alice in Chains. There's nothing like Rain When I Die and Rooster on them, but they that don't... Rooster, that was the first song he sang with them. That was the one. But but they're not um, bad albums at all. They they're solid. They stand up on their own. Yeah, fantastic. And I William Duval's solo album was my favourite album. That was my number one album of whatever year it came out. 2020, yeah. 2019, maybe. Fucking excellent yeah. record. And he's uh, and he's done some, you know, he's he's done some off the wall stuff. I still haven't heard this. Um, giraffe orchestra thing that he's that he's done you know but the um but the other bands that he's been in have all been sort of like you know more punky than grungy kind of thing you know so apart from the um what was the last one he was he was in where 
we were we were watching the the video, weren't we? The live the live video thing that I sent you the other day. Yeah. Um, What's the name of the band? I can't remember. But uh, but again, you could see that he was going to be a perfect fit for Alice in Chains from that from that band. You know. What the hell was his first band called? They were strange band, weren't they? Um, because he was hard a uh, Neon Christ. Right. They're like a hardcore punk band. Yeah, proper um, sort of black kind of you know deal going on, wasn't it? You know. Um, um, but yeah, there's um. So yeah, maybe not. Not two legitimate things there with Cornell and Duval, but uh. Awesome, all the same. Yeah. Excellent. Giraffe Tongue Orchestra. That's yeah. It. That's good stuff. Yeah. We need to do a bit of digging there, I think. Now these podcast things never end, do they, with wandering <laughs> off down The Devil yeah. Put Dinosaurs here. That's what that Alice album's called. I really like yeah. that. The second one was it? Black yeah. gives up blue. The first one or something. Black. Black gives way to blue. Yeah. yeah. And then Ra- Ra- Rainy of Fog was a little bit under par, I thought. But one alone um, is um, superb. Anyway, yeah. There you go. Your turn. Well, better, better do better do some classic rock then. Um. And we'll say Black Sabbath. Ooh. <laughs> I thought you were gonna pick the same one that I picked. Oh, maybe that's in maybe that's also in my list. You never know. <laughs> this this list as long as my arm. Um, which is funny because when I thought when we when we first discussed it, I thought kind of like, oh, how am I gonna get how am I gonna get five five people out of this? And then all of a sudden you kind of like realize you get Jesus. Yeah, so Black Sabbath. I'll go for Black Sabbath. Um, and there's, I mean, we'll forget about the, the later iterations of, of, the, of the band where they've had so many singers and so many different, you know, lineups and stuff that it didn't really, it didn't become, it wasn't Black Sabbath anymore. But for the main part, it was Ozzy, who was 68 to 79. Massive, massive volume of work there. Classic Sabbath. But was replaced only for three years by Ronnie James Dio. Really? Who, who brought? Uh, they recorded two two albums proper in Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules, and they did the Live Evil album as well. And th- and those were the only th- those were the only three albums that Black Sabbath recorded at that time with Ronnie. Now he came back later on and did um, another couple of albums in different periods of time. But yeah, it was just sort of like what a voice and what a great kind of like um, what a great addition to an already great band that had that sort of like work, you know, say that volume of work to hear it re replayed with Ronnie's voice instead of Ozzy's, you know, some just just gave a, a new dimension to everything. And the and the two albums, the two studio albums that they recorded together were just well, just fantastic. Love Ronnie. I think that's the same deal as we were talking about with Bruce Dickinson, because yeah, yeah, Ronnie had a vision 
and he slotted it into Sabbath somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, a couple of great albums. I'm not the biggest fan in the world, but I'd take, I'd take Ronnie over Ozzy any day. Yeah. And it's kind of weird because, because after, obviously after he left, they got, um, they got Ian Gillen in for the one album. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. Um, but obviously it was the one that had Stonehenge on it and and which which kind of like contributed to the spinal tap thing with the <laughs> right yeah <laughs> bringing the Stonehenge down at, at, at um, Reading or whatever it was that they played the gig and everything all that sort of stuff like and I really like that album um, um, born again born again. I really like that album. I've got to be honest, you know, and loads of people slagged it off and said, oh, it's Gillen, it's not, you know, but I did really like it. Um, and I, I think I really saw like something it. yesterday, actually, about Gillen saying he got sent a copy, put it on in his car or put it on wherever and then threw it out the window because he hated it. Really? I think so. Now they got together through, you know, they were just sort of like him and Tony Iommi were just chatting in a pub one night. Right, yeah. <laughs> Tony Iommi said sort of like, you know, do you want to play with a band? And Kitlin went, well, yeah, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, all right, then, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like that, you know. It was that sort of, you know, that loosely kind of like, you know, arranged sort of thing. I thought, you know, it was just a really good album. But at the time, it was weird because they had... Um, they got Beth Bevan from ELO on the drums on that album as well. All right, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, and then uh, um, because uh, uh, um, uh, Vinnie Appice had been playing with them um, for the for the two albums that they did with Dio, um, who went off then to 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 play with Dio in Dio's band. But also, did you know Eric Singer played for them? Really, for a little. Yeah, and did you know that Ron Keel did as well? Really, Ron Keel. Ron Keel played with 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 uh, with them. Um, I can't remember. It's nineteen eighty four. Nineteen eighty four did a stint with Black Sabbath. Yeah, no recordings, so I'm assuming it's just like it's just a couple of live shows. But yeah, wow, how bizarre. Um, uh, but yeah, then 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 it all kind of like turned to shit, really, didn't it? And they had they had sort of like you know a, a different a different vocalist and different kind of band, really, apart from the well, I mean, even Geezer Butler, I don't think stayed with Tony Iommi for all all of those forthcoming albums after that, you know. Um, no, he had Neil Murray and stuff playing with him as well, you know, who who was. Another journeyman, you know, White Snake, and what's what's um, interesting here? Let me let me throw my next one in because there's a lot of crossover. Um, I'm a real ass when it comes to like love or hate, and I really dislike Ian Gillen for many reasons. And I thought David Coverdale was a brilliant replacement, um, and that that'll rattle a lot of cages. But there's a big crossover with um, Ronnie Dio and and um, probably rather a lot of people. Um, I, I can't think of the 
Um, because Gillen replaced Dio in uh the butterfly ball thing that um oh who the bloody hell put that together? Um John Lord and, and Glover. Yeah. Um so there's loads of incestuousness going on at this at this time, and it, it makes it seem like there's only ten <laughs> great musicians in the whole of the world that can operate these massive, massive bands. Yeah. Um, I don't think Dio was ever in Deep Purple, was he? No, but again, <laughs> not officially. No, but he, but he was, but he was in Rainbow, wasn't he? So when, when, um, when Blackmore left Rainbow, uh, left Deep Purple and formed Rainbow, he grabbed yeah. Dio from Elf, um, and I think there was always kind of like a, there was always kind of like a, a tension between them because the first album was called Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, and uh, and I think that. Ronnie Dio thought that it was going to be more of a band. And then when Richie sort of like went, no, this is my band, kind of like Ronnie was like, you know, well, maybe it should be Richie Blackmore's Rainbow featuring Ronnie James Dio, you know? <laughs> so, um, but I mean, they put three three albums together, didn't they? They did... Um, yeah. Um, they did Richie Blackmore's Rainbow and Long Live Rock and Roll and... And the other one. Um, what is the other one called? Which is the... Um, uh, Rainbow Rising. Yeah. Which is just... Which has got Stargaze on it, which is... Uh, which is one of those songs that always ended up in the, the top five rock songs of all time. It was almost the, the, Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, but not quite. It was, it was always in there on the, uh, every year when Tommy Vance did his t tonight on the Friday Rock Show. We're going to do the, <laughs> the top forty, the top forty rock tunes of all. It was always in there. That was like, that was that was one of the that that was one of the top five every year, along with yeah, Stairway to Heaven and Rush's Twenty One Twelve. And then you could just sort of like stick another couple in there that were, you know. But they were probably, again, those other two were probably big, sweeping Bohemian Rhapsody type things, right? That's probably yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah, prob yeah probably. It probably was, yeah. And then probably Freebird, right, for the for the hippies. <laughs> for, the, for the extended 10-minute guitar solo. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, I put... I mean, I put Deep Purple in this list as well because they say, you know, when when Gillen left, you know, um, you'd think it'd be over, wouldn't you? Yeah, but 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 the thing was though is is that it was such a weird move to take two people on to do lead vocals, wasn't it? Well, you know, Coverdale and Glenn Hughes, you know, and yet it worked really, really well because Coverdale but, didn't need backing up. No, not at all, not at all. He's just got he's just got the the best blues rock and roll voice, hasn't he? You know, he really has. But Glenn Hughes has just got this massive fucking range, and he is he's he's still got the same range now. 
Well, we looked at those videos, didn't we? And it's amazing how much he actually contributed vocally yeah. to uh, on a, on a live basis, at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a weird setup, though, that because uh, because I, mean, I think they they were going they've been going since '68, Deep Purple, and to a degree, I suppose this. Well, they are still going now, aren't they? You know, but obviously with a, a, a number of. I think there's only Ian Pace and Ian Gillen that are, or maybe um, Roger Glover's in there as well, I suppose. But so the first guy, Rod Evans. Is Roger Glover the only guy that hasn't ever left the band? I think so. <laughs> I th- well, no. Um, he played with Rainbow as well, though, didn't he? Did he, did he, do, <laughs> did he, uh, did he do Deep Purple and Rainbow at the same time? I don't know. I don't Have know. you been allowed? But it, maybe, but G- Gillen only did four albums with him. Yeah, not I, many, I was, is it? No, and then Coverdale Hughes did did three albums, and then and then when they left, they brought Tommy Bolin in, obviously, who did the one album. But he died after that, nineteen seventy six. He did. I was just going to throw that in there. Yeah, my guitar hero. Yeah, um, which is a real shame. But but he's again for for such a young guy, he had a, a a really big body of work again, didn't he? And he was you know sort of like not just a rock guitarist, but he sort of oh, like um, flamenco, blues, blues, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah, he was the Steve Stevens of the early seventies. Yeah, I think he was. I think yeah. Well, that's um, heroin for you. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, um, yeah. I suppose you can only usually afford when you become a guitarist with <laughs> deep purple. <laughs> so, I'm sure the paycheck why, was all right, wasn't it? Which is why you and I are still here. Yeah. Can't afford, can't afford it. <laughs> Not allowed into deep purple. <laughs> I mean, for me saying I really don't like and I, I just there's something about him I don't like, but some of the stuff he recorded is fantastic, really. Uh, although I never really listened to it, but um, Machine Head's an excellent album, yeah, yeah. Um, Space yeah. Trucking, Highway Star, um, really, really good songs. Man, dread we've named about. Six different replacements there in the space of two bands. Yeah. <laughs> because it could be argued, although this isn't on my list and it may be on yours, that um, replacing Ronnie in Rainbow yeah. <laughs> did not end in disaster. No, Joe Lynn Turner, no, he's on my list as well. I put him as a sort of like a sidebar again for that, you know. And the um, other guy, um, Graham Bonnet, wasn't half bad either. No, no, uh, yeah, sorry, I forgot him. Sorry, but he only did one album, didn't he? He did, um, is that bent out of uh, shape? No, um, Down to Earth, okay, right. He, he did Down to Earth, but I know that there was, I mean, he had an amazing voice, but uh, and and a couple of massive, massive hit singles off that album, but um. Again, he had a falling out with Richie Blackmore um, <laughs> over recording. Um, oh, 
It was, yeah, I know, yeah. There's a, yeah. <laughs> Can you see a theme appearing? Um, it was something to do with the fact that he needed um, to be, um, he felt that he needed to, to be recorded in a certain kind of way. And Richie Blackmore was kind of like, no, we're going into this castle and you're just going to sing sort of thing, you know? And he was kind of like, no, I need a, you know, I need, I, I don't need a, a pop-up studio in somewhere else. I need to be recording in a, a proper studio with this, that and the other where they can, you know, do whatever they do with my voice. And Richie Blackmore was kind of like, no, we're getting this castle and you're going to sing in it, mate. You know, it was kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> it is a weird thing for you. Just, Sorry, I'm just on this page. Um, after a band called the... After after the Javelins, Gillen joined a soul band called Wainwright's Gentleman, which included future suite member Mick Tucker. Yeah. So the whole thing is incestuous as hell. I guess these were the days when... If you worked and you had an agent or whatever, or you were on the road, you'd just make friends with a, over a beer with someone, right? And yeah. you'd all just know each other. Yeah, and everyone not... was just trying to get somewhere, so you'd, you'd jump and go. Yeah, it's not like there was... Um, it's not like there wasn't a plethora of musicians... It's like you said, it's just that everybody hung out with everybody else. And at some at some point you were gonna you were gonna chat to somebody in a pub <laughs> kind of like fancy doing a bit of this? <clears throat> yeah, no, yeah. Weird. That's yeah. Not, I'm not sure how long we've got left. <laughs> but that's a good couple of hours there. So let's do the rest yeah. another day. Okay. And have a nice long four-hour episode for everybody. Cool. <laughs> or I might I might put this one out and we'll we'll just do another part two. But um, I've still, I've still got a lot on this list. <laughs> yeah, I got I got I got three or four left. Um, but just quite strange. Um, I mean, Gillen's played with Bernie Torme. Which brings us back to Phil Lewis. Yeah. Um, uh, what was this? Following subsequent album, Future Shock, Torme left following disagreements over finances. And after missing an appearance on Top of the Pops, he was replaced by Yannick Gares. Who went to play with Iron Maiden. Yeah. Yeah, so Yannick Gares was 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 in the Ian Gillan band for a, a couple of a couple of years. Weird, isn't uh, it? And they would what what did they do? Um, uh, God, what are the names of the albums? I can't remember the names of the albums, but he did. Um, at that point, he was doing things like um, mutually assured destruction and no laughing in heaven. <clears throat> Stuff like that. Yannick Gares played on, and then Yannick Gares ended up joining Iron Maiden from from the Ian Gillan band. Yeah, and he's still with them now. So, yeah. Straight. How many guitarists have Iron Maiden got? Three. Three. Yeah. Man, we couldn't even work with one. 
<laughs> I wonder how that that must I don't know, it must be a very technical thing to get that working in harmony. Yeah. It's, it's it's not one of those things that you would think sort of like, you know, oh let's wait a minute and see if Bruce Dickinson wanders on stage with an acoustic as well, you know. No. <laughs> Bruce. Don't need one. <laughs> But I kind of like that guitar thing because because you know there's a lot of bands now where they do um, they do um, twin guitar harmonies and stuff like that and it leaves a big hole behind if you haven't got somebody playing rhythm behind it. Yeah. So you know, so three is better than two. It's a good point. <laughs> it's a good point. But you, but I don't know. I guess it all depends on if you've got your production sorted out because otherwise you. You end up with no songs. Yeah. Just I to... guess it, you know, it's like, I guess it's like having two guitar players and a, and a keyboard player, isn't it? Like, you know, well, you sort of like, you know, you just change the keyboard player for another guitar player. You could play something different again. Yeah. I, I like it. I like, I, I like three guitar. I'm not, you know, I say I've got, I've got all the Iron Maiden stuff. I'm not, I'm not their biggest fan. I, I have not. never, ever, ever listened to anything apart from watching that show a few months back from download and whatever has passed me by on the radio. It's one of them, you know, sometimes you just take an instant dislike to a band. Yeah. For no reason at all. That's Iron Maiden for me. You know, people people go, what sort of music do you like? And you go, rock. And they're like, oh, yeah, Iron Maiden. And you're like, no. Motorhead. Yeah, no. <laughs> Never liked Motorhead either. No. <laughs> I, I nearly got it. I, I'd, I rather nearly got... I'd rather listen to Randy Crawford and Luther Vandross. <laughs> I nearly got into a fight with somebody on a, on a railway station coming back from a Kiss gig once when, and I, and I don't know why. I don't know why I did it, but. We come back from Kiss. We're standing at a railway station, and this guy is there. Um, him and a couple of mates, and and all leather jackets and motorhead patches and everything. All right, well, you've been, been to see Kiss, yeah? Okay, any good? Yeah, really good. Yeah. Do you like motorhead? And I, and I just went, and he just went, "I'm going to punch you in the face now." And I thought, I don't know why I did that because. I've got like the first three fucking Motorhead albums, and I've got like about five different versions of the Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers EP. So clearly, I like them enough to to, <laughs> to buy something. But why on earth would I would I just go and do that in front of somebody? You know, oh, what a what a fool! But I did <laughs> I did figure out for myself. My it was about my. But then it's weird because I like I love Dio. I was going to say I don't like all that fantasy stuff that Iron Maiden do, but I love Dio. Yeah, and I, I love Coheed and Cambria. Who took it to the nth level. Yeah, it's just something about Maiden that just makes me go, no, no, thanks. I'll go and listen to. I'll go. I'll go and wash up. I, I, the, the thing that 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 I don't like about Iron Maiden, which is probably the thing that all the Iron Maiden fans do like about Iron Maiden, is the um. Is um, the bass playing? 
Um, and I know that he's the main man, but <laughs> it's, you know, and he's an incredible bass player, but he, he kind of like, he plays the guitar riff on, a, on, a, on the bass. And so sometimes four guitarists. You, yeah. And sometimes you just want the bass to be playing, you know, playing the E string and, you know, just, you know, just give it the do, 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 while everybody else is doing all the other bits. But, yeah, but, you know, and, and that's the, that's the thing that kind of like, you know, that's the that's the bit that that I I don't like of it all really is that like I say that you know I'd rather he actually did play play some bottom end bass rather than sort of like mimicking the the, the riffs and stuff like but you know it is what it is yeah it's you strange know. it's strange how music music taste goes isn't it I mean I thought um, when Steve Vai was in uh, Dave Lee Ross band. I thought it was phenomenally awesome. Yeah. And then I thought he was, you might as well have got me in to White Snake as Steve Vai because he just spoiled it beyond yeah. spoiled. And all of his solo stuff I hate. Yeah. And yet, so maybe it's all about chemistry and, you know, certain chemistry things work and some, and some don't for, and it comes across. To, to the listener or the reader, it's weird. Yeah. Very weird. Yeah. Very I, weird. Some, yeah. Some, uh, there, at the time, there wasn't there, there was that massive sort of like influx of, um, of, of Widley guitar players, wasn't there, that, you know, that started off with um, Ingve Malmsteen and, uh, you know, classical cl classical guitarists playing metal sort of thing. And then, like you said, you know, Steve Vai and... Um, Satriani. Joe Satriani, yeah. And, you know, people like um, um, Tony McAlpine, all that stuff, the Racer X stuff that came out. I was going to say so, Marty Feldman then. That's wrong, isn't it? Marty Friedman. Marty Friedman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Marty Feldman could play guitar, <laughs> but it just lost me. It, it, but but then it was a sign of the times, right? It just was. Mm -hmm. Everyone wanted to be Eddie. Yeah, but you think now that I mean, even now there's sort of like still bands that are sort of that are making a career on that kind of stuff, like Dragon Force, which is just kind of like you know, it's like classical guitar played at a million miles an hour. With you know, we've got to play fifty notes a second, you know, and not for me. No, I brought not up for me. Freely, damn it. Yeah, give <laughs> that sort of like you know, lurching, drunken rock and roll kind of. You know. <laughs> Whoops, I missed the note. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember the name of this band. Who's the name of the band? They're kind of like Dragon Force, but they're um, not Dragon Force. And they play the same sort of music. Uh, I was talking about uh, 2004, 2005. Um, I, went to, I went to interview them, and I had an afternoon slot about 2 o'clock, and they went, oh, yeah, the band are downstairs. And I went downstairs, and there was this big table with, apples and oranges on it and 
like a big vegetarian healthy spread. And then just to the side of it was a weights bench and loads of weights. And it was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. I can't remember what they're called. They're called, um, ah, it begins with a T. Sounds like tetanus, but it's, <laughs> um, damn, I can't remember. Anyways, the first time I've ever seen anything like that. Not, not, not testament, not the thrash fan testament. Uh, no. Trivium. Oh. Trivium. All oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I completely and utterly lost all respect for them. <laughs> Just out of seeing their lunch and this weights bench. Cause it wasn't, well, it wasn't really my sort of thing anyway, but yeah. it was like, what the hell is this? That's not why I'm like I'm used to seeing cocaine of album covers and chocolate bar wrappers and six pack yeah. of special brew and but bottles of JD, yeah. But I uh, don't think they're I think that's probably the norm now. Or a lot more of the norm than, than it was back then anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's just I you know, do you need to take that with you if you're going on a a promo tour and stuff? Can you not, you know, just nick off to a gym afterwards or something? Or you probably can these days. Yeah, you can do that gym hopping thing, can't you? Where you just sign up and go wherever you are. But yeah, I suppose it might be a bit of a grind if you were David Coverdale and everyone knew who you were. But you could stand next to Trivium in McDonald's, right? And <laughs> not know who they were, frankly. My next one is uh, Razzle in Hanoi Rocks. Wow. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily think he was a better drummer than Jip Casino, but in terms of helping to push the band forward and being a bit more like a band, I think he was probably um, on the nose. Oh, I think he's, he, he, yeah, he certainly improved things with just with his demeanor. I think, didn't he? You know, he was, he was a a personality. Um, well, it was all a bit serious, wasn't it? Until Razzle came along. Yeah, or a bit, a bit Scandinavian, perhaps. Yeah, I think perhaps some much needed humor injected into the into yeah. the whole thing. Which, which which really was necessary at that point, I think. Um, Ray Zell posted a picture of him. Did you know he was in Marionette? Razzle? Yeah. No. Yeah, not, not Ray, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of knew Ray was, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, Ra Razzle used to um, drum for Marionette a few times. Um, wow. In, no, in yeah. stack heels. Wow. That's some. That's some. That's being a drummer yourself. There. Yeah, being a drummer yourself. How how does that pan out? Yeah, I can't. Happening to be honest, I mean, Peter Chris didn't do it, and um, Eddie, what's his face from Rothschild, didn't do it. You know, didn't he? I'm disappointed. No. Eddie Starr, I'm disappointed. Eddie Starr. No, if you if you if you have a look, he's they all play in trainers or you know soft shoes. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine playing the drums in stack heel boots. I'm not sure how how stacky they wear, but um, 
That's what the caption says on the photo. And that probably kind of like <laughs> it probably explains why Marionette ended up sounding like Marionette if that was the case. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not on the album at all, but um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know a whole lot about Razzle actually, and um, what he did before or after. Um, I've never needed to. No, um, Nicholas Dingley, his name was, wasn't it? Um, oh yeah. The, the only thing, the only thing really, I mean. Uh, he did. He, he did some vocals on um, upright, uh, two steps from remove. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Um, he did, uh, boiler, didn't he? Did, he? he did boiler. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he did that funny bit in um, cutting corners. corners. Cutting corners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I said, yeah, I did, it, mate. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about him apart from that, but. Um, yeah. Not the greatest uh, drummer in the world, but he ne he never had to be. That wasn't the uh, point. No, unfortunately, he died in the um, in the car the car accident that was uh, that involved um, Vince Neil, didn't he? Fatty Neil, yeah. Um, which was uh, a, a, a terrible waste, a terrible waste. And what makes it worse is that um, I have. A, I have a box set, a Motley Crue box set, um, which is called "Music to Crash Your Car To." Yeah, they're pretty it, unapologetic, it, aren't they? Yeah, it just seems really kind of crass and and yeah, like you said, unapologetic. You know, so it's really cringy, really. Um, and and who knows what would have happened with um, with Hanoi after that if um, if he you know if he'd stayed there and and they hadn't gone through that traumatic experience. I think didn't they after that didn't they use um, didn't Terry Chimes come in from who who'd been playing with the Clash? He did, yeah, right. Because yeah. um, I'm, I'm sure I remember seeing them on um, uh, the. The Pink Pop Festival, I'm yep. sure it was. Pink and Pop they also, Festival. I think they also did um, an episode of Razzmatazz with him, perhaps. Really? Yeah. Uh, doing Don't You Ever Leave Me, usually. Um, I, I don't know. I think they just split up, to be honest. Um, I, I, I don't think that album is... Compared to what came before, I don't think Two Steps from the Move is that good. No, I think it got it, Bob Bob Ezrin. It's 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 certainly more commercial, isn't it? It's certainly more commercial than the than the the, the rawness of the previous albums. Yeah, not my Hanoi. No, I, 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 I and I've got to admit, I came to the Hanoi party quite late. I, I my first album that I actually bought was Back to Mystery City. Um, and it was only because um, somebody had lent me um, uh, Hanoi Rock Saigon Shakes and um, what was the one before that? No, that's okay. the first one. Oriental Beat comes next. Oriental Beat, those those two. Somebody had lent me those two and then um, 
when I they were releasing um, Back to Mystery City, so I ordered it through the the aforementioned records mm. in Bangor, um, uh, and it came through as limited edition white vinyl, which I was really really pleased with. You know, nice. what a great album it was as well. Yeah, yeah, I came in a tiny bit early with um, the the other one, the other album, Self Destruction Blues. Street, which, yeah, that's- I, which is which is my favorite, but I never knew till recently. It's not really an album; it's just a bunch of demos, outtakes, B sides that never got released. Oh, really? But it's fantastic. Yeah. Who knew? But um, well, I guess <laughs> I guess that's the kind of band they were, though, wasn't it? They sort of like so much, so much output and so much, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, even now, I'm still finding things on the internet where sort of like you know, um, the stuff that they did when they reformed, um, and did that um, street poetry album. Which is not bad, actually, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's surprisingly a, a lot better um, revisited than it was when when it first came out. I think. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the you know the demolition twenty three stuff and, and and that you know. Um, I also didn't know that Andy wouldn't let Mike write any songs. So all the way up to Mystery City, Andy wrote everything. Oh. Like, wow, what a talent. Yeah. I mean, some seriously good work going on there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And he did the... um... He did that album with um, Nasty Suicide as well, didn't he? The Silver... Silver Missiles and Nightingales, Tales, yeah. I love that record. <laughs> That's I love one. any record that, where people sing worse than me. Yeah. <laughs> so that one, anything by Nicky Sudden, Dave Cosworth, uh, the later Tyler stuff. Uh, you know, there's quite a lot of it. Oh man, I, I remember that album. I just that's one of those ones. Do you remember? Um, uh, there was a, a, a certain ex-girlfriend from Liverpool who who kind of like managed to filch all of my really cool stuff like that. She took, I think she took the Smash albums and she took the um, the early Mike Monroe albums and the, and 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 that was another one that 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 disappeared. And uh, yeah, all the albums to Nick. The Suicide Twins. You can't get it's really, really hard to get your hands on it. It's on YouTube, yeah. but um bloody impossible to find. Yeah. I think they only printed nine copies originally. <laughs> nine and I had one of them. Yeah, I Damn had it. one too. My friend John had one. My friend Daryl had one. Yeah. Jeff probably had one. That's five. <laughs> Andy and Nasty probably kept one each. Yeah, and one for their mums as well. So that's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> God love them. But then there's there's also, um, Razzle's also on the uh, Fallen Angels album with Knox. Oh, right. Let's not right. forget that either. Yeah, I'm sure I had a copy of that as well, actually. Yeah, I think no, you did. I think you did. Is that the one that had the really shit cover? Yeah, now if to... you go if you go and hunt down on if you hunt down Knox on the internet, which he's got a website that looks like it was built in 
um, when they signed the Magna Carta. <laughs> but I think that original painting is for sale at some astronomical sum, or it used to be. Um, and there's a Fallen Angels 2 album as well. Oh, oh yeah, there it is, yeah. That's... <laughs> you found it. Oh, yeah, dear. Dear, oh, dear, yeah. That's our £360 item for this week's episode, yeah? Oh, my word. There's, this Surely this can't be the same band. There's... Um... What uh, is another album? No, this the, 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 no, this must be all different. No, I think you have to go to Knox, uh, try Knox vibrators or something like that. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Yeah, just just having a look in there. Oh, come on. Yeah, Knox 60, Knox 76.com. Yeah. Uh, formed in 1984. Three albums, dude. Three albums. Fallen Angels, which is the one that we had. Yep. In in Loving Memory. Yep. Which came out in 86. And Wheel of Fortune, which came out in 88. Now, if you, if you go online, um, those last two are available. It's a, it's a double CD pack, I believe. All right, okay. You can pick it up for about eight quid. It's all right. It's a little curio. Yeah. If, yeah. You're, if you're that way inclined. Well, if you, maybe, it certainly maybe, maybe interested in that. Yeah. I say they're, they're things that. Um... <laughs> I don't think anyone in Hanoi is on those other albums, though. The things that once were had and are now lost. Members. Oh, oh my God! No, that's just. Oh, you've got to be really careful here, aren't you? There's another Fallen Angels band from 1966 from Washington D.C. So, yeah, don't get that one. No, and then there's another one from Twickenham, which is uh, Twickenham a covers band doing Judas Priest, AC/DC, and the Scorpions. So, yeah, uh, and names names. Band names are fair game at the moment, aren't they? They seem to be, you know. Bad state of affairs. Really, really disappointed that somebody has has pinched ours and uh, is is not at all what we were. <laughs> no, I've I've told a few people. Um, in case you didn't know, our band name was Baby Dynamite, and there's another one out there, and they all they'll go, "Oh, I look for your band on YouTube." I'm like, "Nah, no, that's definitely Creed not YouTube." A- Although there is footage somewhere of that National Music Day gig we did when I fell off the stage and trashed the BA. Is there really? <laughs> well, I know they filmed it. I've never seen it. Maybe they just threw it away. Dude, you had the biggest high heels I have ever fucking seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and standing just a little bit too close to the edge. Because <laughs> if I remember rightly, we did, we did, we did one original song, or maybe two two originals, and then for some reason, probably because Pete was in the band, we did Rats, You're In Love. This is 1992 or three, I reckon. And everyone just sat down. 
And then we, we had that little pistol in our pocket and we went into Smells Like Teen Spirit. Which wasn't... And the place erupted. Yeah. And that's when I spoiled the party by falling off the stage. But we did, didn't, didn't we do, um, on, on that show, didn't we do a version of um, uh, Saturday Night as well by Def Leppard, High and Dry? Fucking hell, I hope not. Did we? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we did, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I blame Pete for that as well. Oh, uh, dude, we were the best band on the bill. Thank you. And I played it, and I played it two of them. <laughs> yeah, we supported, didn't we? And then, then um, your other band headlined. Yeah, but you can't beat a man trashing the PA. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Who oh, else man, was that... there that night? I can't remember any of the other bands. Um, was there? Um... The last bandits were they there? I think I the last. I don't. I think they pulled out because I always liked the sound of them, but I don't think I ever saw them. Hmm. Um, there were definitely about five or six bands though. Yeah. Hey ho. <laughs> well, yeah. I seem to recall that famous sentence: "I'm not fucking supporting anybody," and then the response <laughs> coming back with. Yeah, but it's my PA, man. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> In that case, you're on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the day shall be rude when you <laughs> when you made that comment. <laughs> Yeah, but it's my PA. Oh, we'll see about that. Yeah, it's broken now, <laughs> mate. <laughs> ah, dear. Uh, yeah. Wow, anyway, yeah. apparently, anyway, Sammy Yaffer and Razzle both played in the <laughs> played in the Fallen Angels. I oh, know. Um. Um. Uh, Nasty and Andy are there too. All right. So, so pretty much, pretty much, Hammer Rocks without yeah, Mike pretty Mike much, Mike. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, just look and I think ready. I think you'll find that um, if you dig deep, Mike Monroe's on it as well. Somewhere doing some backing vocals. Yeah, it's a truly terrible cover, though. It really is. Great record, though. Great record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I used to play that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was. Oh, hang on! Oh. I can I can also add. Um, Fallen Angels to my list of vocalists that are shittier than me. <laughs> I'm amassing quite a number of uh, quite a number you, of bands now. I, you know, <laughs> I'm not even going to go down that route with fucking drummers because <laughs> because I can't think of one. I can't think of one. <laughs> oh, man, you're a good drummer. You were a good drummer. <laughs> maybe, maybe I, maybe I could have joined Marionette or the Babysitters or something. <laughs> no, you were a good drummer. <laughs> oh dear! I'm anyway. going to throw, I'm going to throw my last one in now oh, because I've got a segue, and we all like a segue. 
which is Dave Grohl replacing Chad Channing. Right. Um, oh. There you go. There's lots of people, lots of people don't this. know that, do they? No, no, probably not. No, some serious thought gone into this, though, isn't there? Yeah. Um, I... Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> a massive difference, right? That's a yeah. huge difference. It's a shame that they they'd done their best work before he joined. <laughs> He's not. He's not on. Um, never mind, is he? I don't think. Um, I think is that's when he. That's when he. That's when he played, isn't it? Never mind. I think. Did he do the uh, album with them though? He did. Yeah, I think he. I, 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 I think it was Chan Channing on Bleach, and and then um, and then he did Never Mind because it, it, that was the difference in the the style of drumming. Um, that everybody talked about on that, I thought. Blah, blah, blah. Oh. I can't be arsed reading this whole thing. <laughs> um, blah, oh, what? Yeah, he's blah, gone on. Blah, blah. Give money to Wikipedia. <laughs> um, and we really should. Everybody should give money to Wikipedia. You Just, know, fuck off Wikipedia. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, Dave was a great addition, and I don't need to say any more than that. That's it. The rest is Dave history. <laughs> I tell you what, though, his um, what's his book called? Is it called Storyteller? Yeah, one of the best books I've read in a couple of years. Really? Yeah, totally worth getting your hands on. It's up. Oh, it's not quite up there with Dave Lee Roth, yeah. but it comes close. Really? Hmm. I mean, he strikes me as he's one of those he's one of those journeyman guys as well, isn't he? That sort of like you know that can play either guitar or drums with anybody, and everybody kind of loves him. And he's you know is he bought the was it the Sound City? Um, Recording studios and and yep. you know massive massive music fan he is, isn't he? You know, doesn't yeah. matter what like genre. He's just he's just a massive music fan, which is you know, which is what exactly the kind of person that you want to be involved with, really. Really, and I like the way he does those um, drum off things on social media with like eight year old girls and stuff. That's just that's magical. <laughs> <laughs> well, did that come out wrong? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, good old uh, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a massive, I'm not a massive Foo Fighters fan. I've got all the, I've got all the rest. I've got, I've got <laughs> none. <laughs> but, but, um, but, um, you know, but, but, yeah, more power to his elbow. He's just. He's just a brilliant, a brilliant guy. I think you know, mm. the kind of guy that you would, you you know, you'd really like to hang out with for a few hours in a in a pub, isn't he? You know, glad he wasn't in our fucking band. <laughs> We'd have killed him. <laughs> you can fuck right off. You can fuck right off, Dave. Enjoy a proper band. <laughs> oh dear. So I've I've got a few here anyway. I've got a few here. Uh, 
and I'll I'll throw in Faith No More. Um, Oh, cool. Good call. um, originally, obviously, um, Chuck Mosley, who did the first two albums, um, and then uh, replaced by Mike Patton from Mr. Bungle, um, who, which were kind of like some weird kind of Zappa esque kind of jazz metal. kind of thing going on, which he carried on as well while to be fair to him while he was uh, while he while he stayed in the in Faith No More. Definitely not my kind of thing. Me neither. Uh, Faith No, No More neither were Faith No More, to be honest. they weren't they weren't they weren't a, a, a massive thing of mine, but I I did I remember buying the um the We Care a Lot album with um, Chuck Mosley on it when that came out. Which um I remember buying a We Care A Lot pin button badge for 10p. <laughs> that was the extent of my fan worship. <laughs> that was that was the extent of how much you cared. Yeah. <laughs> I, I care 10p. <laughs> I think it was 15p for the but what's the other badge? But someone's got to do it? No. Oh, yeah, it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good choice. Um... <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he only did, the, Chuck mostly did the first two albums, obviously, and then um, Mike Patton did five albums. 89 to 2015, but um, I, uh, they're one of those bands that sort of like, you know, if they can overcome their arguing and stuff, they, they kind of like do a couple of shows and get back together for, you know, a couple of months and then disintegrate again, you know, but... Um... With Dave Grohl on drums. <laughs> Doesn't he play for everybody now? I'm pretty much... Sure, he's the ultimate gun for hire, isn't he? Um, so then my next one is Genesis. Um, again, not a massive, not a massive fan of, of Genesis, but formed in 1967. Peter Gabriel lead vocals on six albums from 67 to 74, and then Phil Collins took over, who was a formative member of the band anyway, just playing the drums previously and backing vocals. Um, um, they did eight albums. And then the last official album they did, Calling All Stations, didn't have Phil Collins on it. That was, um, uh, I can't Rutherford? remember who was on But, um, but, Was it Mike but, Rutherford that was in Genesis? yeah, he was the, he was the bass player originally. And then Right. ended up the guitar player. Yeah. I'm not, not a big fan at all, but I, I, I sort of know early Genesis, and that's probably the bravest move ever, changing from Genesis with Peter Gabriel into what they changed into with Phil Collins. Yeah, they were they were much more um, they were much more pop oriented, weren't they, with Phil Collins? Yeah. You know, a lot less um, a lot less experimental. But I mean, they've gone sort of like undergone some sort of like massive lineup changes anyway, haven't they? Like Steve Hackett had left, and uh, who was the original guitar player as well. Um, and then, like I said, you know, um, Mike Rutherford, 
he was the bass player, then became the guitar player and stuff. And yeah, um, but they got kind of got more poppy and more poppy as the as the the years went on, didn't they? Really, and um, and then Phil decided he could do it all by himself, just the same. Yeah, good choice, um, Phil. Well, I, 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 to be honest, some of those early Phil Collins albums are really, really good. You know, No Jacket Required and stuff like that. You know, top. What's, top what's the other album. one called? The other one's called. Um, what's the one that came after it? That was pretty good too. Whatever it was called. <laughs> um, <sighs> um, no Jacket Required, but you must have a shirt and tie. <laughs> I can't remember. And it's called Face Value. Face Value, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, good on you, Phil. Some, yeah, some, some some seriously good albums there. Um, and and like I said, they just disappeared into this sort of like hideous pop stuff, didn't they? Like, you know, Jesus, He Knows Me and, and, and all that kind of, just not for me. Jesus, That's He Knows Me? Have you just made that up? No, you know, it's like that bloody thing about um, um, gospel preachers trying to cream money off people and stuff in America, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that one. Oh, God. Maybe it's just as well. Yeah, no, it was It was all really, it, it started getting really cringy. Um, so I'll move on. And then oh. Phil went and did one of the greatest pop songs ever, Easy Lover, with Phil Bailey. With That's Phil a great Bailey. tune. Fantastic, yeah. And See, I'd rather the... listen to that than Iron Maiden any day of the week. Yeah. And it's only one song. He was, um, he did the um, he did the drumming on that um, Band-Aid thing as well, didn't he? He kind of like got, he got shipped in just sort of like for, like half an hour or something to do the drumming on that band aid song that he'd never heard before, you know. Yeah, and then he played with he played with Led Zepp, didn't he? Yeah. What was I watching the other day? And he was playing. Um... <laughs> Phil Collins is the Dave Grohl of the past. He is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think what it was I was watching the other night, and and um, it was somebody spectacular. Featuring Phil Collins on drums, and I was like, "What? What? <laughs> Somebody spectacular? What, like Whitney Houston or something like that?" No, no, no. Some, some kind of like you know, one one of our kind of like rock bands. Oh, right. That, that we would sort of like you know, be completely on board with, and it was, but it was kind of like you know, um, but no drummer <laughs> and featuring Phil Collins instead. It was like, "What? Is he the new Catman?" <laughs> I don't think he's anything anymore, judging by that last um, that last concert. Um, Pretty bad, isn't it? That last not, tour, that, oh Jesus, yeah. Not nice to see somebody like that. No, I feel complete. You know, I feel utterly sorry for the guy. You know, it was just, it, it, but it was also pretty cringe as well, wasn't it? It's sort of like you know, um, you know, I, I I think that there comes a time when you have to say, I can't do this anymore. Don't yeah. make me. Yeah. Oh, three million, you say? Be I can just move my arm. <laughs> <laughs> three mil, okay. I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. 
So I think, so I think anyway, I think moving on, moving swiftly on, because we're in the same sort of realm of stuff. Um, I've also got Pink Floyd, formed in 1965. Sid Barrett, extraordinary chap. 1965 to 68, three years, one album. <laughs> That's it. The entirety of his of his uh, artistic integrity all piled into one album with Pink Floyd. He did Would a couple believe? of solo albums too, didn't he? He did two solo albums, yeah. Before... Very hard to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think the, the Sid Barrett era of Pink Floyd is also very subjective. People either get it or they don't get it, you know? Maybe it had to be there. To me, to me, he's very much like, he was very much like the Andrew Wood of his day, you know, where he was, Ooh. it was sort of like you know, very uh, super artistic and, and, you know, completely off the wall sort of thing. Um, and I don't think anybody, you know, I don't think Pink Floyd would have even, would have done anything if it hadn't been for him to start the whole ball rolling, you know. Um, but to be fair, they, they made a bit of a good crack at it, didn't they? Yeah, but obviously he was he was kind of like um, he was falling apart as they were recording, um, and uh, say you know what was it sixty eight he 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 left or he was he was removed I should say. Dave Gilmore had already joined the band as a second guitarist at that point, 67. So both him and Roger Waters took over the vocals up to 1985 when they split up officially. And then Pink Floyd kind of like restarted as Pink Floyd without Roger Waters and did another three albums then. But, um, Say, so I think, I think that you know Dave Gilmore had a smashing voice. I just flicked on, thinking, have we, have we reset? Oh, there's a picture of Razzle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's him playing in Marionette, apparently. Wow, wow! I really didn't know that. You know, didn't know that at all. Mind uh, you, I found. I think Ray uh, told me once, but I've forgotten. Yeah, that um. That Ray Zell interview with um, um, Rob Lane on Straight to Video, hmm. that's really good, that, as well. Yeah. Ray is completely Ray, isn't he, on that? <laughs> totally... doesn't, he, doesn't he mention it on that? Maybe he went, went to make a cup of tea. No. Oh, don't know. Not. Yeah, it's, a, um, it's good. It's good. Don't I, recall. I'd, be, I'd be really interested to know how much they used to pay him for Pandora. Just out of interest. Yeah. Like, was it a livable wage? It certainly didn't sound it, did it? I mean, the, no. and, uh, the, the the malarkey that he had to go through to actually do it as well. Like I said, when, you know, it was really frustrating when people were coming in with digitised visions and stuff and he, everything that he was doing was hand-drawn and, and, you know, I... actually <laughs> physically walking into the, into the Kerrang office. Yeah, you know, to hand, I, hand over. I bumped into Ray one night at the Marquee. I can't remember who who I'd gone to see. This has been, this would be eighty eight, eighty nine, and he was. I was a bit drunk. Ray was very drunk, and the guy he was with 
Larry Miller from Uncle Sam was completely oh, right. off his tree. Wow. And Larry came over to me and he went, hey, man, nice hair. I could make a coat out of that. <laughs> and then he was gone. <laughs> oh Jesus! I think I think the last well, no, not the last time I saw him, but I think yeah, I think um, I remember I remember going to Chessington World of Adventures with him and Julia, and really? it was, what what a mental fucking day! I've no idea why we even did it. You know, can't even imagine. <laughs> but very very weird. When was um, it? Oh, God, that must have been, I don't know, early early 90s, maybe? Mid-90s? Maybe I had to open the store. Yeah, early 90s, something like that. Yeah, it was very, I mean, I'm not even sure why I was even down there, you know? And then... <laughs> and then I think the last time I saw him was... Um, was um, Mrs. J had moved to this house on the... Um, on the Wirral up by up by Birkenhead somewhere, um, and she was, was having a moving in party. How was yeah. it? Yeah, that, that was, was the yeah. night. That was the night you drove there in the snowstorm. Was it? And we stayed for three days. <laughs> <laughs> All I remember is it, it was it was funny because while I was listening to. To that interview with him on them um, with Ray on on that um, straight to video thing, and it, it, and I was I was thinking, I it, the last time I remember speaking to him, he was going off with these Neds that were you know they were kind of like you know going on about pop music and this that and the other, and it, all he could do was kept talking about fucking Sugar Ray because. It, because I think he'd met Sugar Ray about two weeks before, and it was kind of like you know. And he'd really gotten into them and really and really kind of like, you know, connected with the guy, the singer from the band and stuff. And it was like, you know, and every time anybody started a conversation, he would just turn it around and go like, you know, and have you heard Sugar Ray? You know? <laughs> it's, it's just I'm like not really, sure I've ever heard Sugar Ray. Really mental. Yeah. Not not my kind of thing, I've got to be honest. No. I'll let you discover that one on your own. (laughs) What else you got up your sleeve? Right. So I I think I'm, I think I'm actually coming to a, coming to an end here. I think we've done all the major stuff, Um, but you haven't got on your list, which I just secretly pulled up in the background. That. um, Wait, wait, (laughs) Wait. Um, that Brian Parry and Phil Vokins were replaced in Rothschild <laughs> by Lance Rocket and Eddie Starr. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that wasn't the original lineup. No. Brian Parry. And Phil Vokins. Phil Vokins. They Phil Vokins left to join Bill Ward's band with in uh, Max Havoc, who I thought was a wrestler. But there you go. Now, actually, now you've 
Now you've mentioned <coughs> his name, I'm sure he's played with some other people, Phil Vokins. I'm sure I've heard somebody talking about him recently. Um, really? Yeah, some of this, this new wave of of heavy metal stuff. I'm I'm sure he's um, he's one of these uh, another one of those kind of like you know um, early eighties journeyman kind of um, guys who, who's ended up playing with a few people. He's played with um, Persian Risk. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying to think who I've had interviews with recently. Oh, hang on. He's um, Time Machine, an album by Stevie James and Phil Vokins. Stevie James on that straight to video thing. Yes. We just get that fucking guy on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That was it. It was the Stevie James interview, yeah. Right. And he's going on about, yeah, that's, yeah. Well, small <laughs> world, eh? Yeah, but I wouldn't like to wallpaper it. No, and I wouldn't like to have been... I wonder what they look like back then. I'd like to, I'd like to see a proper Netflix documentary of Rothschild through the ages and their evolution. Yeah, I must, I must make it. I think um, Stevie James wasn't sort of like a hundred percent complimentary towards him the other day on that interview. To be honest, you know, um, no one's ever complimentary towards Rothschild. <laughs> I thought they were brilliant. <clears throat> Me too. I, I thought I really loved them. They were just sort of like so, you know, completely mental, you know, and and when you. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic video that they did of of them playing at the war uh, at the um, the Marquee Club on the it was it was it called War Machine yeah and 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 of all the things Rocky Shades picks up that ball of fucking Malibu and he just sort of like he's guzzling it down and it goes in his eyes and everything and he can't see for the next five minutes it's just absolutely absolutely brilliant brilliant <laughs> I. I... Of all things, a bottle of Malibu. Yeah. Tell you a, fu a funny Rothschild story. I have a couple, but this one's good. Went to see them. In, must have been in between in between Snack Attack and the Biz Socks at the Marquee. And I, the previous night, which could have been the, the Larry Miller night, I hadn't been to bed. I went went to whatever that gig was. Then I went to work. Then I went to, to the Marquee to see Rothschild. And they took so long coming on that I was sitting on the stage and I fell asleep <laughs> sitting up at the front of the stage. But when they started, I didn't wake up. I woke up, <laughs> I woke up about halfway through the gig. <laughs> and no, no one moved me. <laughs> I mean, they weren't known for being quiet. He's part, he's, he's part of the set. Don't touch him. He's part of the set. A rag doll. <laughs> Says here, the band's speciality was its DIY aesthetic. No shit. <laughs> uh, they were great. They were great. They were Absolutely. great. Yeah. 
and, and uh, I'm not sure what happened after that, to be honest, though, because um, there's, there, I think there's about, they've got about five albums, haven't they? But Rocky isn't on all of them. So I'm assuming that they kind of like split up at some point and they've replaced him. Uh, I think Lance Rocket is still the, the kind of like the main man. I have no idea. We must look one day. Hmm. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Uh, diverted so, there. <laughs> so I think we've I think I think we've pretty much covered most things now. Um I've got a few things that we've that we've mentioned perhaps. Um there was a couple of um additionals <laughs> the bass players that came that came to mind when um um Unfortunately, when Cliff Burton died from Metallica and they replaced him with J Jason Newstead from Flotsam and Jetsam. Um, not saying he's better. Um, equally talented in a different way, but definitely changed the way that Metallica um, did everything, really. Well, so far, so, far, so far as I can tell, and this is just from listening to Mick Wall's podcast is that once Cliff was gone, it became more of James's band. Like he didn't yeah. have to share the power. Yeah. I think the the unfortunate thing for Jason Newstead when he's, you know, because um, Cliff was, um, he was a finger player. Um, so he plugged the strings rather than, um, and Jason Newstead was like an incredibly fast player with a pick, um, which is which was quite sort of like unusual for a bass player at that sort of like time. But he was so fast, um, <clears throat> and you know, obviously he was a he was a, an ideal candidate to to take on the kind of music that they were playing. But I think they kind of when they got him in, they they kind of resented him at the same at the same time. Because he wasn't Cliff, and that wasn't his fault. It was just a you know an unfortunate circumstance that you know obviously the the bus crash and everything that had caused you know Cliff's, Cliff's death. Um, but um, the 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 next album they did with with um, Jason Newstead was um, and Justice for All, and they literally removed the bass from it. The, the whole album that, yeah. it, it's really hard to listen to it, it, listening back to it now it's really hard to listen to because they've kind of like removed all the bass parts to it it's just sort of like so, so low in the mix that it just it's, it almost doesn't exist you know and and just super weird and I know that sort of like some people have done kind of like remixes of it unofficial remixes of it where they put the bass back in and it's you know Right. And it sounds improved, but kind of like it was almost like a grudge that they held against him for joining the band when you know when it was not his you know saying not his fault that the the, the previous guy had died. Is this the other band? No, he's left now. He um, got replaced by that Mexican dude, right? Yeah, they got um from um uh, from that other band. Yeah. Um, Suicidal tendencies, Rob, 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 
Trujillo. Tr- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, again, really amazing bass player. Fantastic. And just what they needed, I think, you know, just to sort of like, you know, to kickstart them again. Um, and that, that, that new, that new song that they've just released that, um, looks eternal just just sounds fantastic really really good so you know really glad that they're back on on seem to be back on track you know uh, my last thing <clears throat> then my last last thing that that I can think of in this current <laughs> for this current discussion is Fleetwood Mac which I kind of like hung on to because it was uh, it was kind of like um, um, it was appropriate for um, Christine McVie dying um, the other week. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, uh, nineteen sixty-seven. She joined in nineteen seventy. Um, originally, it was Peter Green. Peter Green and Fleetwood Mac, um, and he did nine albums, which were all kind of like really kind of like bluesy and guitar oriented and stuff, weren't they? You know, and again, some really good stuff on there as well, but not the kind of Fleetwood Mac that we know and love now. Not. And I at guess all. it depends where you where you come into the picture, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, so, like I know plenty of Kiss fans who. Who only know the unmasked version? I know plenty of Van Halen fans who only know the semi version. Yeah. So I guess it really does, and, and and love that version of the band. So I guess it does depend where you come in, doesn't it? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I I, I wasn't um, I didn't know much about them beforehand. Obviously, I mean, you know, um, they swapped over. 1974 wasn't it that Buckingham and Nicks joined the band um, and that was when they kind of like became the band that we kind of like know today that sort of you know yeah, pop rock kind of acoustic kind of pop rock stuff that they do now um, before that very very different and I think it was only it, it was only because you know um you're and you're the same as me is that you you kind of like you like to dig into something when yeah. you know that there's history there you like to dig into it and see what the you see what it's all about you know um good band yeah i can take or leave them to be honest yeah not but, but it's funny though it's funny though because for, for everybody that knows Fleetwood Mac and kind of like goes, oh yeah, they you know, Stevie Nicks and you know Lindsey Buckingham, that kind of like period, they actually did one less album than the Peter Green version of Fleetwood. <laughs> so isn't that weird? You know, yeah, they've been going longer, but they recorded one less album. W- w- weird. Didn't Tusk almost take longer than Chinese Democracy? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I believe. I don't know much about the album. I've got to be honest. I don't know much about the album, but I, I really like the song Tusk. I think it's brilliant. So <laughs> no, it's great. I was just briefly looking in my 
my Apple Music list of bands here. Jimmy Crespo was not a good replacement for Joe Perry. Uh, I really like Jimmy Crespo. Yeah. Um, what was that album called? Was it? Um, Is that Night in the Ruts? No. Um, Between a Rock and a Hard Place. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he did um, the Lightning Strikes and all that stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a that was a great album, really Nin- good. Nineteen eighty-two. Yeah, but just not. Um, uh, didn't he go? I think he went off to join. Was it was it Wild Horses with Jimmy Bain and stuff like that? I think after that, that when they familiar. got back in, yeah. I think I, I like that record. Yeah, good record. I, yeah, that was. That was actually something. That was one of those ones that I kind of like. I must, I must mention that. I must write that down. Must mention that. <laughs> um, nobody that ever replaced anybody in the original Alice Cooper band has been better. Period. Uh, what else we got here? Did we mention? Did we mention Kiss and, and Vinnie Vincent in the last episode, maybe? I, don't, I, can't, I remember. can't remember. Is Vinnie better than Ace? No. He did, no. Save, did save their arse, though. I think, we, I think we mentioned Mark Slaughter, didn't we? And um, We did, yeah. Robert Fleischman in, uh, in the Vinnie Vincent invasion. We did. So, uh, just quickly flashing through this list. Um, the bloke who replaced Dizzy Dean Davidson in Britney Fox was not better. <laughs> oh, I like that album though. Me too. Um, Six Guns Loaded. Six Guns Loaded. Yeah, what a great song that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, I mean, he didn't. He didn't sound quite as sort of like <laughs> as as Dizzy Dean did, but that um. But he did... Um, Black-Eyed uh, Susan. Black-Eyed Susan, yeah. Well, I think they only did one album, though, didn't they? They did. Ele- electric Rattlebone. Great record. Yeah. And I don't think... Um, I, 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 I honestly don't know if I've ever heard from him ever since that album. No. Me neither. Mm. He must have done so. He kind of just disappeared. Well, which is... A, you know, if he did, that's a real shame because, again... His, his voice was kind of like one of a kind, really, wasn't it? But you know, yeah. Um, what else we got here? Um, not seeing anything. Not seeing anything. Cheap trick. No. Never going to happen. Uh, oh yeah, they the bass player though, didn't they? Yeah. Um, he did. A, I think he did three albums. Before um, the original guy came back, um, get his name. Um, oh God, what is his name? Um, wow, what is his name? I can remember everyone else's name. Tom. Tom uh, Peterson. Tom Peterson. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of the the um, the other guy's name. Yeah. What Bunny and oh the replacement guy. Yeah, I mean, he was he was he was good. He was good. Um, At this stage of the game, everyone's good, though, aren't they? Like you get John, replaced John replacements Brown. that can play now, don't you? Yeah, yeah. 
rather than just whoever happens to be lying around, really. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think it, I think it, it's sort of like you know, depending on your, um, well, not even actually, not even actually depending on your um, on, on your quality, depending on whereabouts you are in the situating in the world, it seems to be at the moment because after listening to so many of these things where I've sp uh, you listen to interviews with people like um, Mickey Finn and Stevie James and um, various guys from Cinderella or this, that and the other. And they've, they've all kind of like just been like a big pool of musicians. So you might be in a band, but then somebody might need a bass player or a drummer. So you just go and play with that band for a while while your band is on hiatus, you know? Yeah. Or you end up playing with them and then your band splits up and then kind of like, you know, the rest of that band that split up becomes part of that pool of musicians to go and play with some other people, you know? It's very it's just, odd, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's... Um, that um, Mark, Mark, Mark Turin with... Um, the Bullet Boys playing with Rat and a hundred different other bands, <laughs> you know? Um, just, like I say, just, just, just an incredible pool of musicians there that, that seems to have, you know, and, and they all seem to have played with everybody before they settled down to, to form a band that sort of like was, that had some sort of like, um, um, integrity by that i mean sort of like you know a long longevity of of maybe a few albums or whatever before before they split up again and just, just sort of like jump back into that pool you know i guess it's all about just keeping going at the moment isn't it yeah i mean i mean they're all a little bit older than us so what's also like 60 to still yeah. be to still be pushing Bang Tango around the world, or the Electric Boys, or yeah, it's quite something, really, because I don't think anyone ever thought they'd go anywhere till they went somewhere and then they couldn't get back there again. It's, yeah, it's quite odd. And and I think that what was the one? Who uh, was I listening to today? It was it was um, Alex Kane. Um. He's been around, which yeah, what a uh, that's I think that's one of the best interviews I've ever heard. You know, not not for the fact that it was a great interview, but just the stuff that he came out with. You know, the, just the sort of like you know all the information that he was throwing out there. You know, because I mean I didn't know anything about him previous to Life Sex Death. You know, and yet he kind of like he was with Enough's Enough before they signed and all those songs on the first album were kind of like his and they had to kind of like, you know, just re-record the guitar parts when they got the, 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 the record deal and stuff. And then, um, and he played with um, Holland. I had uh, an album Holland. of theirs. Yeah. Who the fuck are Holland? <laughs> you, not, you not remember Holland? No. no. Um, I had a, um, they did a, um, 
they did an album called um, "There Goes the Neighborhood." Um, I had I had an album by them, um, and and then obviously did the um, anti-product stuff, and and he and he's played with Alice Cooper, and he's played with fucking so and so. He's playing so, with somebody really big at the moment, isn't he? Like, um, like really big. Um, he's he's another one of those those sort of like journeyman kind of like guys who's who, um, who's who's the um, who's the guy from Brother Kane? It's kind of like Damon Johnson. Like, yeah, kind of like him, where he's kind of like you know done loads and loads and loads of stuff on his own, uh, and done his own so many of his own bands as well. And yet, still ends up going and playing with like sort of like really cool people, like you know. I can't think who he's with at the moment. I know he played with Sash Jordan for a little while. Yeah, he played with um, he played with Ginger for a while, didn't he? He had a didn't he have a um, he had a little band together with Ginger and that, didn't he? I think in the in the guys from the Wild Arts, I think. Okay. Um, oh, Clam Abuse. Climb abuse, yeah. He was also in Dirty Looks. Was he really? Apparently so. Wow. On Call from the Wire, perhaps. That's a great yeah. album. It Call is. From... Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, what was I going to say? Um, sorry, talking of Bang Tango, here's, here's something to jot down. Um, Mark Knight and the Unsung Heroes. All right, okay. Um, when he quit Bang Tango, we went and made these two albums. Picture of me holding my thumbs up. Oh, is it one one small thumb and one big thumb? Yeah. So is is that like one really good album on one? <laughs> yeah, that's about the size <laughs> one of it. Okay <laughs> one of them's something to do with the cat. Um, Don't Kill the Cat. I think that's the better one. Right. The other one is called... Road Sick Eyes. Um, good stuff. Nice bloke as well. We had a chat one day about um, bathroom tiling, I do believe. <laughs> <laughs> he just spent the weekend tiling his bathroom, and I sent him a message that said, nice work, dude. And then we had that conversation about how difficult it is to cut out circular bits around the toilet. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, <laughs> everyone still lives in the real world. Yeah, I love that though because because you kind of like you know, the older you get, the more the more people you listen to, the more you know, the more interviews you hear, the more people you realise are in the same fucking boat as we are, and we're just. <laughs> yep. We played some rock and roll. Uh, it, it, you know, in various kind of like guises and stuff, and 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 yet we've still got to fucking pay for the dog's medication, or we've still got to, we've still got to tile the bathroom, or we've still, yeah. you know. <laughs> I'm still painting these bloody doors of ours white at the moment. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> did, I, did I send you the? I sent you the. Well, it's not worth something for the podcast. Oh, I sent you the picture, didn't I? No. <laughs> Oh, wait, I must send it to you now so I can hear you laugh. <laughs> wait one moment. This is worth waiting for. <laughs> Here we go. 
Well, I'm going to have to press buttons now, aren't I? Mm. I'm going to have to press buttons to see. what. Oh, I've still got a picture of Razzle. No, here it comes. Oh, I've sent two by accident. Oh, well. <laughs> so, yeah, the doors were brown, and we thought, why are they brown? I'm going to paint them all white. So, uh, oh, here it comes. <laughs> here it comes. There it goes. Oh, my word. Look at that. Yeah, so now they've got these big, the three doors upstairs. They've all got these big white crucifixes on them. That's a proper way to leave them as well. Like, well, on the like, back. That looks I might really do the good. upside down crosses on the back ones. <laughs> that looks really good, yeah. I think you should definitely leave it like that. Yeah. I'm not going to get away with it much longer. <laughs> <laughs> Stick that in your pipe, bang tango. Yeah, <laughs> I think what you need as well, though, is that as you open the door on the opposite wall, there needs to be a massive pentagram. You know, just kind of like, you know, just to finish it off. <laughs> a hastily drawn goat of Mendes in in tile. In tile, yeah, mosaic. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Well, that's been a good one. I can't think of anything we've missed out, but we'll have missed something out, right? I'm sure we will have done. I'm sure we will have done, but it's it's kind of like hard when it's spread across two and, and they're sort of like, you know, so far apart really, isn't it? But I will probably stitch them together. But yeah, no, but it's good. And I think, you know, I think there's there's probably some stuff there for people to kind of like, you know, have a bit of a delve into, you know, totally. again, you know. Some the, the 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 old rabbit hole to to disappear down as usual. Yeah, don't I mean those that first Fallen Angels album is one of my favourites. As is um, the Silver Missiles from the Suicide Twins. I I like those two albums. Yeah, they appeal to that sort of mid eighties rocky punky bit of me. Yeah, I think I think once again though, I think you know if if anybody sees the album cover, don't be put off by it. <laughs> you know, not not just don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> don't judge a record by its cover. Yeah, and it's it's not fantastic. It's never going to set the world on fire. But if you're a fan of that sort of Hanoi rock. Um, and Lords of the New Church and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's up Maybe. there, isn't it? Definitely. Definitely. What should we do mm. next time? Uh... <laughs> I have well, no idea. Worst replacement band members. <laughs> band made band made band members that made the the band <laughs> quit. Yeah, like um, like Mark St. John. Oh, dear. Did he ever do an interview? I don't think I've ever seen him speak. He did... Um, he did that... Was it... Was it White... Were they called White Tiger? Oh, yeah, he was in them, wasn't he? Yeah, which was kind of like supposed to be some kind of like super group, but he had some kind of... Um, 
he had some kind of ten, tendonitis problem, didn't he? Which was which was why he never did the tour. Yeah. After he recorded the album. He's he died, yeah. didn't he? He is dead, isn't he? I have no idea. What's his name again? Mark St. John. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure he died. Because I think um, he was a, he a guitar yeah, two, team. Two, 2007. Oh. Um, Mark St. John slipped away into obscurity under mysterious circumstances. <laughs> I remember having the White Tiger album because it was kind of like the thing that you did was was just sort of if um, any kind of like any related band to anything that you had previously, you know, you would just go and buy, wouldn't you? You know, or I yeah. would anyway. <clears throat> so, wait, as he fought for musical recognition beyond his Chris contribution, Saint John battled personal demons. In 2006, he was arrested for possession of drug paraphernalia and charged with attempted destruction of evidence and went to jail. Wow. Um, kind of apparent like... brain hemorrhage, but the following year evidence surfaced linking his condition to injuries sustained in a beating he suffered while he was in lockup. Yeah. Wow. It's, wow. it, that's kind of like an American thing, though, isn't it? You know, I mean, you wouldn't go to jail in this country for for that kind of thing, would you? No. You know, you know, you'd have to be a pretty fucking hefty dealer to to end up going to jail for, you know, certainly not for you know having drug paraphernalia on you. Jesus Christ, like you know. Whenever I hear that, it always makes me think of like they've got like a magazine. Or a badge. <laughs> <laughs> or it's, just, it's like, um, I don't know, paraphernalia over here is like something like merchandising, I, I would have yeah, thought. Yeah. yeah, that's it, yeah. It's, it's, it's drug army. Drug army <laughs> membership. <laughs> Weird. That's our list. See you next week. Okay.